Welcome to the Mostly Pod Out at Night, Mostly. I am Graveyard, joined by my co-host Salem. Hello. This is episode 17 of our weekly All Things Horror podcast. This episode, we'll be discussing scary space movies. So, movies that take place in space that aren't part of the Alien franchise, which we'll be getting to in two weeks' time. So, our movies that we'll be discussing this episode is Event Horizon, Pitch Black, Sunshine, and Pandorum. Because just thematically, this is kind of what we decided from a list of things, and maybe we'll touch base on the other scary space movies like Life Force or Ghosts of Mars, other stuff in other episodes. Um, yeah, and Pitch Pitch Black is itself part of of the Riddick franchise, but right. the other entries in that franchise do not qualify as horror. So that's why this one is going to stand alone in this yes. episode. Yes. All right, so let's start off. We're just going to go in chronological release order. Um, we'll start off with Event Horizon. Came out 1997. Um, so we'll go through our typical thing. Uh, so let's get into the recap of this. So essentially, we start off with um, just kind of a typical start off where people come out of like a, 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 a hypergenic sleep. I say that right? Is it hypergenic? Yeah. Yeah, it's something like that. Yeah, they're not really yeah. frozen. Well, they, they call it like a grav tank because they, they, they use gravity drives to go fast. Yeah. So they call it like a grav tank. To, it's basically just to protect you from the G-force. I don't know if it's like a cryo sleep. I would imagine you're asleep when you're in the water like that. But Yeah. They look more like Bacta tanks from Star Wars more than anything yeah. else. Right. Yeah, that was and, liquid. Yeah, and which is which is... Ah, like you said, it's just you know a, a crash couch for the G's. Essentially, they're not really asleep for that long. I feel like, but essentially, they're making it their way up to do was it Saturn-ish area? Um, um, Neptune. Neptune. Okay. Yeah, they they were in the orbit of Neptune. Neptune. All right. So, so we get our very typical opening that we we've come to know and love that we really got from Alien franchise, where everyone starts to wake up and just the cognitive ability of trying to figure out where you've been because you're put under pretty heavily. Um, you know, just kind of the crew starting to get their bearings and it's a good way to introduce our, our, our crew or our cast of, of the movie. Um, really we focus on Alan Grant or uh, Sam Neill, um, the doctor and this kind of things from his perspective, uh, and you know, once everyone kind of gets out of their tanks, uh, you know, I believe he had a little bit of a nightmare, and that's how he came out of it. Was that was that correct? Yeah, something about yeah. his wife, like yeah, his, his wife, and like she had no eyes or something. But that yeah. was just like the very first one. We did, we just we didn't get a whole lot of of, of meat or juice with that one. It was just like a yeah, like she was there, and then she opened her eyes, and they were not. Her eyes were not there. They were just empty correct. sockets. That was it, yeah. Correct. So, you know, once everyone gets out, it's kind of just introduced. This is, you know, the doctor, you know, here's the, you know, medic, here's all that sort of stuff, right? And typically what they do then, they get dressed, they all go to the mess hall, because that's what you do, and you start getting substance in you and kind of do more of a rounds and trying to figure out why you're there, what you're doing, and just kind of a good expedition dump for us, the audience. Um, they're there because, you know, the... Sam Neill's character is a scientist and he created a ship that's supposedly called the Event Horizon, 
roll credits. Uh, we get that pretty early on. <laughs> right. Um, that went missing seven years ago. Yeah, seven. Seven years ago. And everyone thought it just vanished, disappeared. Like, it went through the edge of the universe just because of the stuff. There's, like, ghost stories kind of associated with it. Um, you know, I think, got, yeah, the, the official story that they told everybody was that they had a reactor failure and it blew up. Yeah. So just so nobody would ask questions. But, yeah, but they say, like, the real story was is that it was supposed to, yeah, like they said, fold space and time. He goes through right. the whole piece of paper with the pen, you know, two points. Yep. Thing. that's been in several movies where they describe that but um yeah. yeah so yeah essentially he's describing that that's what it does is it folds space it makes a you know wormhole between the two points um and then it goes so like when they were testing the drive for the first time they turned it on and it disappeared and they have right. not heard from it for the last seven years and they finally got a distress call that's why they're out there yeah and you know everyone on there it's kind of you know the 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 blue collar workers the the junkers the salvage people there um some were pretty upset that they got called up because it's the united states marine corps i believe something like that yeah i mean it's yeah. it's like yeah it's whatever the future you know thing and, and this is before the space force was formed so yeah, it's, yeah it, was, it was like whatever you know fake uh name they had for uh right for them but yeah they're like a search and rescue team that was on like r&r yeah, and they got called up because you know they're the best of the best, and they need them on this particular mission. Right, and I don't know if we said, but this takes place in the year twenty forty seven. Yeah, uh, you know, so at that time, fifty years into the future, which we are now only twenty five years away from this. Well, yeah, and the one that, yeah, <laughs> at the very beginning, they say like you know, first uh, manned outpost on the moon twenty fifteen. So we've we've already failed this timeline. Yes, <laughs> which maybe it's okay in this timeline. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Um, so like I said, you know, everyone's just like, oh, we're doing this. And, you know, they kind of go and, uh, attach, you know, with the umbilical cord as everyone has the, the, the airway, the pathway, right. It's always that umbilical, um, patch, right. Mm-hmm. And they're just trying to get onto the ship and figure out what happens. That's, that's their job. And, you know, Sam Neill's character, he built it. So he was really interested to figure out what happened to everything now when they first go in that like hallway i was sitting there watching and i'm like was this a 3d movie when it came out because there's so many like weird things like floating around like almost seems like it was like a 3d movie to where the thing should have been like coming out of the screen i don't think it was though no it wasn't i i completely agree like oh there's a wrench right in front of the camera or hey there's blobs of oil or moisture or the crystals, even because the air was crystallized, right? Because it was so cold. But yeah, it's like they had stuff float into the frame, like it would have been three D coming at you. Right, I completely agree with that. Yeah, it was like you know how like an avatar when they're you know up and up in space and they got the stuff floating around. It was, yeah, it was just like that. Only yeah. I was like, I'm I'm almost a hundred percent positive this is not a three D movie. I just Correct. maybe they were just experimenting with CGI. I don't know. It just. It, it it basically when you're watching it you're like oh this must have been 3D even though it wasn't because like you know when you're watching a movie like you watch like you know Jaws 3D you know you yeah. can tell the scenes where things are supposed to be coming out of the screen yeah yeah but yeah it, it felt like that yeah so yeah like you said you know they did it they listen oh they listen to the stress signal and it seems to be screams and howls like but it's so garbled. And there's some there's some Latin that one that uh, 
I don't know if it was the technician, but he was played like the older Malfoy in the Harry Potter series. Um, yeah, he thought yeah, well, his name in the movie is DJ. DJ, yes. Um, and he thinks it says essentially liberate me or save me. So they well, okay, li- liberate me, which is save me in Latin, is what he oh, thinks it says. Right. Um, but they still want to run it through some filters, try and clean it up a bit. You know, so um, not all the crew, some crew stays onto the ship and they start, you know, start going on there and start looking for survivors. And, you know, they're able to go into the gravity drive, which is essentially, you know, goes to the, that spooky house of maze, that spinning tunnel that everyone walks through that everyone has. And like those hor- uh, the fun houses, that's what it looks like. <laughs> to yeah, me. yeah. Yeah, I get that. Well, but yeah, like the like the like Jack Noseworthy said, it looked like a meat grinder. It looked like you were walking through a meat grinder. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and, and then, then and then of, as he gets to the end, it looks like a like a gothic cathedral. Like I don't know who designed oh, yeah. that gravity drive, but they were like heavy into the goth scene in the nineties. Well, we'll discuss what, how where we think this ties into other franchises <laughs> at the end of this. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely spires, like sharp things, like oh. Someone's gonna get impaled on one of these in the future. Well, movie, even on, right? even on like the door, like you know the yeah. door, like it like you know it locks. Like there's four pieces that like kind of you know what what do they call it? You know, they they spin like iris closed, right? Yeah. Um, but like the sides of it have these huge spikes on it. So like yep. anybody that was like passing through it would get impaled on these spikes. It was very 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 dramatic looking. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh so their their engineer. Justin, I think he's he's an engineer, right? Yeah, yeah um, Jack Noseworthy, the young guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, from Idle Hands. <laughs> um, he was also from Dead at Twenty One. You ever see that? No. Um, it was an MTV series. It was like it might have been the first like original series they had. I don't know if it was the first, but it was, I know it for a fact it was one of the first. Um, it was huh. like a sci-fi show that they had on MTV. Like, and this was in the nineties. Um, it was like, uh, well, it was, obviously the show is called Dead at 21, but he was the main character. And it was a show about um, like babies that get um, uh, like processors installed in their brain. Okay. When they're born. Yeah. Um, and it makes them super smart. But like as, as the show goes on, you basically figure out that th- they burn out when they hit 21. Yeah. Because, they're, you know, they're whatever, whatever it is, there's some kind of fault failure to where they burn out when they're 21. And he's trying to like figure out why or what's going on. He's trying to figure out who did it to him and how to survive and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it only had one season and ended on a cliffhanger. Of course. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was, but it was, it was, a, it was a decent show. I liked it. Uh, but yeah, no, Jack Noseworthy and then at 21, he was also in uh, an episode of the outer limits. One of my very favorite episodes. Uh, that was the one with the, um, the, the spaceships that were like AI controlled. Huh? Um, and they needed what they needed, like a person aboard because they couldn't like fix themselves, you know, because obviously they can control every part of the ship. But if, like if something broke or something happened, they couldn't fix themselves because they have no hands or anything. Right. So they like uh, kept um, hu- humans as slaves, like they kept a human slave on the ship that they controlled. Absolutely. And they forced them to like fix them and keep them going. Um, and he was one of them. I believe the voice of the ship was Malcolm McDowell. Interesting. I don't think I've watched that. 
It was like one of the first ones. I think it was when Outer Limits was still on like Showtime when they had like really high production value. Oh, okay. Um, it was one of those. It was it was really good. But anyway, he played the the slave human on the ship. Um, okay. But anyway, that, yeah. I like I like Jack Noseworthy. He pretty much fell off the face of the earth <laughs> when yeah. the when the nineties ended. But he was in some good stuff in the nineties. Yeah. Uh. So anyway, he goes. He finds the you know the drive. He turns on gravity. And then essentially, it's like three spinning uh, pieces of band of metal, right? Of lights on them, and yeah, it's they like a kinda, big gyroscope. Yeah, and they it lines up, and essentially we get like we're just missing the whoosh from the Stargate because that's what, it's just like a black Stargate <laughs> at that point in time. And he he touches it, of course, because why wouldn't you touch this glimmering black portal in the engine room as an engineer? I can understand his desire to learn. He kind of gets like grabbed in there. Um, he gets rescued by uh, Cooper, I believe. Yeah, pulls him out because there he was on the lifeline essentially. Uh, pulls him out, and he just kind of goes like catatonic. Rightly so. Right. Um, and when this when this happens, when that the portal is essentially opened. There's a shockwave that makes everyone that damages the Lewis and Clark, the, sh- the the ship that they're on that they came in on, to the point where everyone has to come on to the event horizon at that point in time. So they put, you know, Justin in on in the med bay. Uh, he's just comatose essentially at that point in time, um, and people start to start seeing hallucinations a little bit. Well, uh, there's also also the side note of um, when that when the Cooper tells them what he saw, you know, he saw him coming out of the portal, right? And then you know we brought him in there, and he is explaining how he found him, and the doctor Weir, Dr. Weir yeah, Sam Neil is basically telling him that's impossible, right? Like the 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 portal can't open. The portal is only opened when the gravity drive is engaged, like when it's ready to fold space. Like it can't right. just open on its own. So. Yeah. Already, we start getting weird things happening. Essentially, essentially, it's, it's space madness, right? Yeah, <laughs> and then and yeah, and then that's when after that portal opens, that's when yeah, like you said, everybody starts seeing weird things, like the one things from the past. Yeah, right. Yeah, the one uh, medical technician lady sees like her son who I, I don't something he's got some kind of like terminal illness or something. Yeah, um, because they they kind of vaguely showed pictures of her like you know, watching home movies of the kid, but he was like, you know, pale, not looking good in a wheelchair, like obviously trying to show him sick. Right. Yeah. She she sees him like on one of the medical beds um, and his legs are like all messed up. Like they have like big sores. Yeah. Lesions on them. Yeah. Yeah. Not looking good. So obviously, you know, somebody else comes in the room and it goes away. Um, And then uh, who else starts seeing stuff? Well, the the captain does. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're here's a little bit more from his wife. Right. Um, but anyway, you know, they're just kind of going through that. Um, and then uh, Cooper wakes up and he goes into the airlock. And so everyone else is kind of on the Justin, outside. Justin. Justin. Yeah. Justin, yes. Um, and, you know, and, and every, you know, people are fixing the ship they're trying to fix the so they can go home you know so there's a whole bunch of you know hull breaches you know losing atmosphere all that all that jazz so a couple people are outside work on it and justin goes in the airlock and he just 
like goes in there, seems to be in full control of his body, and then like start decompression starts happening, like he's trying to kill himself. Um, and you hear you know Miller, Captain Miller, and Cooper saying, "Hey, close your eyes. You have to breathe in. You have to curl your, you know, curl your body up to be able to survive." decompression and and space and trying to get to it because also he has his wits about him once the airlock's kind of in place his eyes ex, you know explode as they do for decompression yeah no, um, see, this is this is an interesting point because all these space movies that you watch mm-hmm. there are so many different things that happen to a person when they go into just open space yeah like every movie has a different version of what's going to happen they always explain it to you ahead of time like what's going to happen in that universe. But they, there's always a different thing. Like I remember um, like in, in like Battlestar Galactica, it was just super cold. So like yeah. you could, you could survive out there for like 30 seconds, you know, but you would freeze to death for any longer than that. So if you were outside for a few seconds, you were relatively okay. But then like in this universe, you would like explosively decompress. I mean, it, it like, it depends on different, you know, different right. movies, different things happen. Yeah, I mean, the general consensus is you're going to explode or freeze stuff, but I mean... Yeah, bad things are, will happen to you. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's all you need to know. Yeah, you will die in a very short amount of time, but it's just interesting to me how many different versions of what would happen occurs. Yeah. Um, but essentially, he does curl up. Like I say, he loses his eyes. He's starting... He's in real bad shape. Right. You know, and uh, they are able to use his oxygen tank, get him back aboard through the airlock, and they put him into back into the stasis pod, going, "Well, he won't be pretty, but he'll survive." Right. <laughs> uh, so that was interesting. Um, but yeah, you know, it's we start going through there. I think Weir starts going through the bowels of his engine room through like the green corridors. Yeah. Well, they they start having like power surges, and yeah. so he's like, "Oh, there must be a fault." And yeah, so he just like opens up one of the weird gothic yeah. decorations on the wall that just climbs into this like cyberpunk like neon green hallway yeah which is very easily lost but he didn't know exactly where he was going i mean he built well, it all right he built right. it but that's still pretty like yeah i don't know i don't know if i could do that <laughs> right well yeah and then yeah he gets the goes to fix the thing and then he has like a full-on like like flashback vision of like right his wife killing, killing herself, herself yeah. in the bathtub. And he's, and he's like present while it's happening. Obviously, he wasn't present there in the past, but he's yeah. present there now. And but it really seems like after this point, like he he becomes different. Like, oh, yeah. like he's, this he's thing gone. has infected him. Right. Like this this event has infected his mind and, and turned him just like how Justin turned for that short period of time. Right. And tried to kill himself. But. Yeah, and his dead wife has no eyes and urges her to join him and blah, blah, blah. Right. I mean, he fixes the panel that was sparking. Um, so he's, that's kind of where we, where we see where he's at. And he's like, you can tell there's just a, like a character change in him that he's now gone. Right. Um, and, and then, yeah, they, at this point, they, I think they all start explaining to each other that they're seeing things. Yep. Because, um, yeah, the captain, Lawrence Fishburne, he sees like, this guy that he let catch on fire one time during like a, a rescue. Yeah. Like, because like, it was him, it was him or everybody else. Right. Yeah. That. So it was, yeah. yeah, it was essentially like, you know, he could only save everyone else or that one guy and he had to let that one guy die, but he saw him burn to death. Yeah. And it is a thing he said, he never told anybody that. So it was very odd. But the, that, sh- 
but the, the ship, ship knew. Right, the That's ship the, knew. They said once they set foot, the ship seemed was able to go into their subconscious and start pulling things right, out. Right, but yeah, but uh, Dr. Weir, again, denies that he's seeing anything or denies that right. anything is yeah. odd. Again, says, you know, it's impossible. The, you know, the portal can't open, nothing, you know, and blah, blah, blah. He's, you know, yeah. full on, you know, denial and full on, you know, kind of turning at this point. Yeah. Uh, um, but every, everybody else is kind of commiserating about all these, you know, bad things that are happening. But again, they're on a time limit because they have only a certain amount of 12, 12 of, hours yeah, yeah. air time before they're, uh, well, they don't run out of oxygen or air. They're, they're basically the carbon dioxide. Yeah. Will overtake the oxygen to the point of being poisonous. The, like the scrubbers aren't. Yeah, scrubbers right. had like twelve hours. Right. Yeah. Because the scrubbers would whatever. And, yeah. and again, it's like um, I'll, I'll I'll also bring this up in, in some of these other movies, but like some of these large areas that they had with like full, um, you know, like life support in them. Yeah. Why? I mean, like you're wasting all of this oxygen, all of this space, like that giant long hallway between the engineering and <laughs> like that whole thing was like had air like you could just walk through it it was yep. gigantic oh yeah i, I don't know that, that, I'll, again i'll bring that complaint up <laughs> yeah other times in, in this list but it's just like ridiculous like why would you waste all that <laughs> oxygen but yeah whatever um so but they eventually find the video recording of what happened they they screw they filtered it out enough essentially um, it's kind of like them showing up what's going on. And it's just the the crew of the Event Horizon just like kill, slicing each other up, mutilating each other. And they find out that's after they engage the gravity drive for the first time. And they start ripping their own eyes out. Blood orgy. Blood orgy, yes. Is, yeah. is how the director describes this part. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, apparently in the lost director's cut of this movie, oh, yeah. um, they had what, what he calls an extended blood orgy scene, which is this scene. All of these little bits and pieces that are kind of jumped out of here. Um, and there's a scene later on where, where the captain has visions as well. Um, all of those little scenes are taken from that extended part that was cut out of the movie. Okay. Um, and it, but it was, it's kind of interesting because they were, um, uh, sorry, uh, the, the little little tangential thing, but um, basically, t- Titanic was supposed to come out at a certain time this same year by the same studio. Right. Um, Titanic did not make its original date, so they had a huge big day that a big movie was supposed to be on, and they didn't really have a movie to do it with. So they basically upped the time frame for Event Horizon and threw more money at the budget, but less time for editing and stuff. <laughs> Of course, you know, make it easy on people. Yeah. Um. So they were like, the studio was heavily involved in the in the process of like watching the dailies and and the editing and all that kind of stuff. Um. And once they decided that okay, the movie's going the direction that we want, it's going to be the big movie to to take Titanic's place in this you know date that it's missed. Um. So they kind of left, and after they left, Paul Anderson just started adding all this crazy stuff in to the movie, and after after that cut was over. Uh, the studio was not happy at all no. <laughs> with that cut. So they cut all of it out. So, I mean, there's you know, people talking that there's this, you know, mystical director's yeah. cut out there. But even if they did find it, it would be in what, what they describe as sub VHS quality. Well, he said it's gone. He said he wishes well, he had it. Yeah, it, 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 it is gone. But they're saying, you know, I mean, things that are gone sometimes reappear, you know. 
Um, as far as he knows, he does not have a copy of it. And anywhere that he would think it would be, would be gone. But, you know, studios keep shit. People keep stuff in basements. Yeah. I mean, they're still finding Doctor Who episodes in Africa, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Things that I they mean- thought were completely lost, but they still technically exist. Um, but yeah, but they said even if it did, even if a miracle somehow happened and they did find that director's cut, it would be such low quality that would, wouldn't even really be worth watching. Yeah. But people are insane over it. They want to yes. find it. Yes, yes, they are. <laughs> yes, they are. Um, and even like on some of the DVD releases or you know Blu-ray releases, they do have some of the footage because not all of it was totally lost, but it looks terrible. Yeah. So I can only imagine how bad, you know, the blood orgy scenes, which are like, you know, fast cut, you know, crazy stuff going on in that low of quality, like how wacky that would have looked. Yeah. Um. I mean, anyway, but yeah, so, I mean, it's basically all these horrible, horrible things happening, blood, guts, you know, body explosions and all kinds of stuff happening. Right. Um, But then they realized watching that, that he mistranslated it and it's actually saved yourself from hell. Liberate Tutume. Yes. Liberate Tutume. And Infernus. Yes. Which is, yeah, which is save yourself yourself from hell. Right. Um, so they kind of just deduce that this opened a gateway to hell. Right? That essentially they went through the hell universe, the hell realm or universe. Um, and because of it, the ship somehow has attains sentience. Like it knows things. So it, it, evil was imparted upon the ship and psychic abilities, essentially. Right. <laughs> yeah, and at, at this point, I think the ship realizes that they know what's going down, and so yeah. it it like tweaks on Doctor Weir like really hard to the point where he like tears out his own eyes. Yeah, but in doing so, becomes like the puppet of the ship. Right, and something we didn't mention is that you know because this comes up really soon is you know in the the hallways there's self destruct bombs essentially. Um, and Miller, played by Lawrence Fishman, starts, he wants, like, okay, this ship has to get destroyed and wants everyone off the ship. Um, you know, the one woman is killed. She eventually falls hard into the engineering room and just, like, smashes her face open on the grate. Right. Well, yeah, she's lured to yeah. her death by her ghost, you know, terminal son or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but Weir takes one of those bombs... And goes back aboard Lewis Clark after it's getting worked on. And Lawrence Fishburne's character, you know, Captain Miller realized that, hey, it's missing. They're trying to find it. And just as they got, like, you know, there's two people on the ship still, you know, repairing the rest of the atmosphere leaks. Um, and it blows up. He, You know, Dr. Weir goes back on, goes to the airlock, and then gets off and blows up the Lewis and Clark, killing one of the guys. The other guy's stuck in space on this whole pretty intact piece of debris from this explosion. Right. Um, and he essentially starts trying to get back into like he's going to use his oxygen to propel himself back towards the event horizon. Uh, so yeah, she, the one woman is killed with visions of her son. Uh, uh, another guy, what his throat is slashed by dr weir yeah the doctor dj the doctor yeah. guy yeah um he seemed to be immune to it like they, they don't they didn't yeah. show him having any visions or anything 
Correct. Him and the the EXO um, lady. What was her name? Stark? Stark? Yeah. Something. Uh, but yeah. She, the, neither one of those, or Ann Cooper, I guess. Not, none of them had any, well, I guess we didn't know of any visions. That right. Too many people to have too many backstories with. Right. Um, but, you know, they start realizing that, hey, they need to get this taken care of. You know, Dr. Weir corners Stark on the bridge. Um, and you know, the captain comes in, they're trying to overpower him, realize how torn up his face is. Uh, and Weir starts down a 10 minute countdown to um, return to the other dimension. He's going to activate essentially the gravity drive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, Cooper makes it back and he's splashed against essentially the windshield of the event horizon. And for some reason, in his infinite wisdom, Weir decides to start shooting at the the windshield, for lack of a better word. Right. I mean, and, and again, this is this like bolt gun thing that they were using. Um, they literally earlier, he's like, oh, if you shoot me with that, you better make sure you hit because right? if you hit the hole, it's going to put a hole in. It. Like, yeah. I mean, it's it's very obviously been stated that this will put holes in the side of the ship if you shoot at it. And so Weir shoots directly at a window right with this gun i mean like i mean i don't know how you didn't see what was going to happen here but i mean it might have been his plan who knows he couldn't see (laughs) well yeah yeah he had had magic like hell vision i call it i call it neo vision when his eyes were burned out essentially (laughs) right well he could Uh, he couldn't see he could only see the machines but yeah but yeah this guy whatever he's got he's got he's got hell vision yeah, so then obviously decompression starts happening in the bridge. Um, everyone's kind of slowly getting sucked into it. Uh, and Weir gets sucked out of it, does he not? Yeah, yeah, he just yeah. gets sucked out and then flies out into space. Right. Right. <clears throat> so they, it's like, hey, we're going to, you know, we have to split the ship into two. We can use part of the section as a lifeboat. That's their plan on doing, right? Well, yeah, the yeah the original plan for this ship. They I, they kind of talked about it in the beginning when he was talking about the ship, but yeah, there's like a the gravity drive is on a you know engineering like way in the back, and then there's this yeah. really long hallway connected to the, like the front of the ship, which has all like the you know the bridge and your medical and your rooms, and right. all, that. all that stuff is on the front. So basically, if something happens with the gravity drive, they blow up that long hallway, and then the yes. front of it can just go by itself, and then the, they leave the gravity drive behind. So right. he's trying to manually do that, yeah. Yeah. Um, so essentially then he gets attacked of who's he get attacked by? Who's he see? The guy that's on fire. The guy's on fire. Yeah. Just visions of him, uh, but turns out like it's Dr. Weir, he's back. Yeah. Well well yeah, look <laughs> the Captain Miller just goes, Hey, wait a minute, you're dead. Yeah, <laughs> and he just goes, Roop, and he just like transmogrifies into into like, um, Cenobite version of Doctor Weir. Yes, um, but he, like immediately he was like, "Up, oh, you got me." I mean, <laughs> was, right? Uh, oh, okay. It was, oh, it was, it was oh, an yeah. odd scene, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so essentially, then they fight off, and he detonates the explosions and kills, sacrifices himself to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. The drive, the drive activates. You know, it's the pulls part of the section into uh, the black hole, essentially. And the remaining people, who are Cooper, who's still alive, and Stark, 
they enter stasis with Justin waiting to be rescued. Yep. Um, then, yeah. So it's, yeah. Cooper, the EXO and, and, uh, yeah, the guy with no eyes. <laughs> yes. Who's, he won't be pretty, but a lot. <laughs> right. Um, I, what, 72 days later, supposedly they're being rescued. And Stark has a vision that it's Dr. Weir and the rescue crew. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he's Dr. Weir in the rescue helmet. But then she wakes up and it's just a dream. Uh, uh, yeah, just nightmare. Yeah. So, yeah. So she's like screaming on the ground while Cooper's like trying to like calm her down. And then that's it. Yeah. And then it ends. Um, but then, you know, they reassure her. But the, then the bulkheads close unexpectedly. Kind of a cliffhanger ish thing, right? Sure. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they closed unexpectedly, but I mean, yeah. So that, that's the gist of the movie. And we did say a couple of key words in there that we'll discuss after some of the first thoughts, stuff like that. Um. So I'll, I'll start with me first for the first thoughts. When I first watched this, I remember you know 1997 people talking about this being the scariest movie of all time. <laughs> uh I don't know if that's what you heard. Too when it came out but i go okay i have to see this so when it came out in like 98 99 i saw it i go okay it's really not that bad i didn't find it to be the scariest movie of all time i really enjoyed the crap out of this movie uh, uh yeah I, mean, I did not hear it was the scariest movie of all time but um i mean at that time um, I had, you know, I, I had a video card. <laughs> um, and so I would go to the video store all the time. And so that was like, you know, that was a kind of movie that would definitely be on my radar. Like, you know, sci-fi, yeah. you know, horror, whatever it is. You know, so that was, I watched it like as soon as it was available on video. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't remember people saying it was the scariest movie ever, but I remember watching it like right when it came out. And I watched it several times because I watched it myself and then i told everybody that it was a cool movie and so that everybody watched it again you know i watched it like with a group of other people right um so yeah i mean i remember yeah we we liked this movie a lot when it first came out. yeah so i mean yeah like i said i i thought it was a great movie uh rewatch wise i do watch it probably not as often as i should um i'd, I'd say it's probably every three ish years i rewatch this movie I don't think yeah. there's anything new I'm catching on the rewatches, but it's still it's still a great movie. I know it, over the past number of years, people have started realizing that this is a good movie. I think a lot of people wrote it off when it first came out. Um, um, yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously, I loved it when it when it first came out, but yeah, a lot of I mean, a lot of people just saw it as like a uh, you know a generic kind of movie. And if, to be fair, it is kind of like a um a big budget b movie oh yes yeah pretty much what it is and they like i said they tried to force it in like a titanic level time frame so yeah it it did not make the kind of money that they were hoping that it would make but i think they tried to make it more so i I think it it lost money in the box office yes i want want to say like the the budget was like 60 million it only made like not even 30 yeah Um, definitely not recuperate right but (laughs) When it came out on video, it it like it was one of those movies that found like a new life once it hit video, and they made other money back over time from all the video sales and, and rentals I and mean, all that kind of stuff. Arguably, B movies that are called classics do that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, it, it ended up being a long term classic. But when it first came out, yeah, nobody really thought it was anything special. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I I think people, I think the glimpses of the blood orgy is what people said were the scariest parts. Probably. 
Yeah, I mean, like, I, so I was I was thirteen when it came out, so you know, <laughs> most people's radar scary things. I mean, mutilations high up there. Yeah, it's basically I I would always rewatch it when I would because it always you know be articles and people discussing this right. movie. It comes up every once in a while. Like I remember um, it was a few years back when there was um, they were interviewing the guy who wrote the movie. Um, I don't remember his yeah. name off the top of my head, um, but he basically. Um, admitted i mean a lot of people had theories that that's what it was but he basically admitted that he was heavily inspired by um, warhammer 40k and their whole like you know how they travel through the warp you know to go faster than light is essentially like his this movie is essentially like the first foray of humanity into the warp which i think fits pretty well because you look at the the gothic design of that gravity drive and that's like very heavy like Warhammer 40k influence. I don't know if they well, did that on purpose or not. But. We'll discuss. Like I said we'll discuss the other point that what it looks like too. In a yeah. few minutes here, but yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, me and uh, my my friends when they were watching it at the time, we were like kind of obsessed with it. We were having this kind of a deep cut, but we were going to have a, our our band at the time. We were going to have the first cover of our first album was going to be the scene from the movie when there's a the the captain of the ship is like all covered in blood. Yeah. And he's literally holding his own eyes in his hands. Yes. Yeah. And so he's like staring at the camera with empty eye sockets and he's holding his own eyes in his hands. And that was going to be the cover of the album. And it was the, the title of it was going to be, I can't see my eyes are in my hands, but it was going to be in Latin again, deep cut to the movie itself because of the Latin and stuff in it. Yeah. So yeah, it was going to be a deep cut. So anybody who had seen event horizon would get it. But at that time it wasn't that popular because this is right when it came out. Right. Uh, where, where are your highlights for this movie? Uh, um, highlights for this movie. I mean, I really like the, um, the designs. I mean, I really like that, that Gothic cathedral look for that, for that gravity drive. Um, just the, the, a lot of the, the shots they have, everything's like super dark, you know, even though it's mm-hmm. like, cause most spaceships are like very, very lit up. Like all the walls are like white. Yeah. <laughs> everything's like super lit up. I mean this, and this is like, this is not a derelict space. I mean, it is, but you know, it hasn't been sitting there for hundreds of centuries. You know, that's usually how those like haunted spaceships end up being right. They've been there for right. a very long time. Um, this one is like, it's only been there for like, you know, who seven knows years. how long. Well, seven years in theory, or, or if they went through, you know, folded space and time, it could have been yesterday. Who knows? Right. Um, but yeah, but as, essentially it's, it's very dark, very, I, I just really like the way that they, they designed everything. So like the way, the look of the movie, I, I liked a lot. Yeah. Vi- yeah. Visually. Yeah. It's, you know, we see a lot, you talk about the white stuff with like, I call it the, the Purina dog food symbol. That's an alien on everything. You know, those five red squares and like the X, that reminds that's me of Star Wars. That's in Star Wars. Yeah, that's that's the uh, like the the rebel um, insignia for their like generals and stuff is in Star Wars. I thought it was also in Alien. Mm, not that I know. Of. You know, they usually just me. wear like they just wear like jumpsuits, like blue jumpsuits. Yeah. Um. So yeah, visually good story. Yeah, it, it is. A, it's a B movie, but you know, I love. B movies, I really, really do. Well, this is yeah, this is a. I mean, it's technically a B movie, but I wouldn't really consider it a B movie. I mean, it really, no. it really reaches beyond that. Right, right. Um, yeah. So, like I said, I, it's it's good. I really like, visually fantastic story wise. 
Now, I don't think it's very generic, but it does it does things differently. I feel than most space movies. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's definitely one step up. I mean, this is like you know, kind of the definition of like you know, sci-fi space horror is like yes. is this right? They, they, oh, absolutely. They cross all these lines together, and this is what you end up with. Yeah. All right. Uh, what about low points for you? Low points would be um, the water effects. The water <laughs> effects in this movie. I mean, there's a lot of them. Like, they show like water like blobbing around, you know, like in the, uh, you know, when the gravity isn't turned on yet. Um, yeah. But also like the water effects when, you know, like the gateway opens and there's like that mm-hmm. black water. It is like it looks terrible. It looks, oh yeah it looks like i mean i could do better than that and like you know but i mean i'm not even a graphic artist but i mean i guess back in that time period they were dealing with a little bit less but yeah i mean you look at i mean like the matrix came out what like two years after this two movie. years yeah and like the the grant you know the these effects are that much different in two years i, I find that hard to believe. I, I just i really think like this that that water thing was like they forgot to do it and they just kind of threw it in there at the last there's like a rush job right right yeah because yeah. everything else looks great i mean it, i have no complaints i mean i obviously my high point is the look of the movie this the low point is those water effects they just look bad yeah the C, the cg wasn't particularly grand but the practical effects were amazing yeah they were they were great yeah i mean i can i can i can agree to that um you know I, you know this is a slow burn i feel um but yeah low points definitely the cg completely agree all right, so before we give this our rankings, mm-hmm. I want to ask a question. We've we've alluded to this a bit. We discussed it in other ones, especially the Hellraiser franchise. Is this a Hellraiser movie? Could it be a Hellraiser movie? And why is it so much better than Bloodlines that came out the same year? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, this very easily could have been a Hellraiser movie. I mean, it's been know. alluded to by the writer and director. Right. I mean, essentially, like, okay, if you would have switched out the gravity drive, like, you could have uh-huh. left the spinning blocks and everything, but just take out that center thing and just make it the, you know, the box. Little men's configuration. Right. Yeah. And very Absolutely. easily. Very easily could have been a Hellraiser movie. And then Dr. Weir could have just essentially been taken over by Pinhead. I mean, or Pinhead could have just showed up because Xenobites could just show up, right? Well, to me, it seemed like he was becoming a Xenobite. Yeah. Right. This is like this is a different create a different way of creating Cenobites. So they went through the hell dimension. And I you know, believe that to be the Cenobite dimension is where they travel through. Yeah, okay, that's I, very I, heavily alluded to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, very much so. I mean, it, it, very very <laughs> minor changes could have made this a Hellraiser movie. Right, and it had been more Hellraiser than the minor minor changes that happened to other movies in the Hellraiser franchise that well, didn't yeah. fit into Hellraiser. This was correct, perfectly there to be what Bloodlines should have been. Quite honestly, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I liked Bloodlines. I mean, but Bloodlines was was definitely made as a Hellraiser movie. I mean, they obviously went in a different direction. Yeah, you know, because again, they had like the origins of the box in like the 1700s in the same movie as a you know future space station which is odd but this is this is a be- better hellraiser in space than the hellraiser in space we got yeah that's fair <laughs> i'll give you that uh, but i mean as far as like definitely better than i mean like almost all of the other movies because you know almost oh, all yes. the other movies were just like you know hellraiser elements tacked on like this is i feel like they they took the hellraiser elements out 
So like the Hellraiser elements, they took him out of this movie and just tagged him on a bunch of other movies. <laughs> it's not possible. No, it was good though. Like so they've confirmed that they that like it's been not, not officially officially, but they said this is the Hellraiser universe. Uh, I mean, it fits. Right. It's just like we'll get to like Friday the Thirteenth, where he gets the book of the Necronomicon, the Kandarian Demon from Evil Dead, to confirm that he's a Deadite that Jason is. This is kind of the same thing just after the fact and the theories rose that's like okay it's very heavily inspired and the gothic look of it and the spikes that's very hellraiser-ish gothic looks that we got so obviously hellraiser has a lot of gothic elements into it too yeah so. fair. all right so for you okay for this for this episode we're doing number of sealed doors out of 10 because there's always sealed doors in space movies and people trying to open sealed doors or close sealed doors. Well, know? yeah, all of these movies, <laughs> sealed doors play a part in at least some way, shape, or form. Yes. So how many sealed doors out of 10 would you give this? Um, uh, I mean, this one's it's good. It's good. It's difficult to rate. Um, is, it, is it great, though? Uh, I would say 8.5 sealed doors out of 10. 8.5? Yes. Would have brought you to a nine if they didn't have if they had better CG. Uh, yeah, I mean they had better CG, and um, I mean there's some like acting that was a little hammy, <laughs> and I was like, uh, like whenever Cooper shows up, it's like, oh, this guy, you know, he's like he, he's like too happy, like it feels like he's not in this movie. He's like the he, only person that feels right. like he's not supposed to be in this movie. He feels better in a cartoon or lighthearted movie than this movie. Right. Yes, I agree. Right. And and he like again, like if he would have just died when they blew up that ship, that would have been one thing. But no, he like comes back and he's like one of the main characters, he's like one of the people that survive. So like he's, right. <laughs> he's in it quite a bit and he's very annoying. Yeah. Uh I'm I'm actually I'm going to nine for it, just because I do enjoy it that much. Uh like I said, a rewatches I need to rewatch it more. It is a fantastic movie overall. Especially, you know, you being the sci-fi guy, me being the horror guy, this has, like, the right elements of both perfectly for me. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, this is this is the, the perfect, you know, <laughs> you yeah. know solution mixture of, of both of those elements. Yeah. So. All right. You want to take the reins a little bit for Pitch Black? Uh, sure. All right. <laughs> pitch Black. So. Uh, Pitch Black opens up with um, it's being narrated by uh, Riddick, who I mean, yes, people probably know who Riddick is, but anyway, it's Vin Diesel with glasses. Um, and and keep in mind that every scene that Riddick is in, he's either putting his glasses on or, dramatically or taking, taking his off. glasses off. I mean, every every scene, Dram- yes, like ripping them off. Yes, yes, <laughs> this is this that's this movie. Like, doesn't matter if it's light or dark or what's happening in the scene, he's taking on or putting down. His yes. <laughs> um, anyway, so he's he's essentially like locked up in like a cryo sleep tank, right? And he's narrating what's going on, and he's basically kind of narrating because he's trying to say that, um, you know, that when you go into cryo sleep, like you know, the whole brain goes to sleep except for your like instinctual primal part. That's why I'm always awake. You know, he's <sighs> <laughs> yes, but yeah. So anyway, he's awake, and that's why he's narrating this. 
and he's describing the other people that are like in cryosleep because he's blindfolded so he can only describe them by smell and by sound yeah it's, it's essentially a transport ship right yeah so anyway yeah so it's a transport ship with all these people like passengers um yeah. in in cryo so what happens is 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 you know alerts go on there's like these little micrometeors that that pelt the ship alerts go off the 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 ship's, you know, whatever navigation team gets woken up. Um, so it's like the captain, um, the navigation officer, and then the pilot. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, they go to wake up. Like, as they're in the process of waking up, um, the pilot sees the, the the captain get killed. Micrometeors pelt him, and he dies before the, the pods even open. Yeah. Um, so the pod opens, the nav officer and the pilot, um, they go to try to fix it. Um, you know, they basically see where they are and they're like crash landing on a planet. They have no idea why or how they ended up there. You know, I think they theorize later it might have been like a rogue comet or, or some asteroid or something, whatever it was. Something yeah. knocked them off course and they're now crash landing on a planet. Um, so the, the pilot is like trying to write this ship as it's crash landing in, you know, it's going into the atmosphere of this planet, you know, getting ready to crash. She's, you know, putting on all the air brakes and, and all the, you know, trying to turn on the thrusters and all this kind of stuff, but it's just not happening. So she keeps like, you know, dumping off, um, you know, cargo containers to like try to level out the ship. Yeah. Um, and it gets to the last one and the last one is where all the passengers are and she wants to drop them. But the, the nav guy is saying no. So she like seals the doors and she's about to drop them. And the nav guy actually like wedges them open so that she can't dump that last one. She definitely tries. She's hitting oh, that yeah. handle. But, but you know, she's, sur- she's surviving herself. She doesn't right. care about anything yeah. else. Right. So, yeah, the guy is like, you know, hey, you know, you got a minute to, to save us, whatever. So they, they crash land on the planet. Um, the the nav guy, well, he doesn't die, but he's basically dying. <laughs> Like yeah. he's got a big piece of the ship impaled through him. So, and he doesn't seem to be all there. He's like screaming things that he was saying while they were trying to fix the ship. He doesn't seem to be like aware of what's going on around him. Right. Um. Anyway, so yeah, so we see that um, you know, Riddick, the the prisoner, um, is is alive. The the bounty hunter guy, Johns, who captured him, is is alive. Um, there's you know a couple other miscellaneous people. Um that are alive. There's like the rich guy with the glasses. Um, the Imam keep by played by Keith David. Yep. <laughs> a bunch of his little follower dudes. I think there's like three of those. Four I of think those they were kids. Yeah. Well, yeah, they were like yeah. teenagers or something. Um, then there was like the, the younger, uh, boy, Jack. Jack. Um, you can't forget Shaza. Shaza. Yeah. Claudia black. <laughs> yes. And, and her, uh, and her, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever partner. <laughs> they don't really say what he is. Zeke. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, essentially they crash. They're the only ones that survived. Everybody else dies. Yep. Um, I think there's a little minor thing where Riddick escapes um, while, during the crash, but Johns manages to to capture him like immediately. Um, I don't yeah, I don't know why they did that <laughs> right away, but yeah, so he like yeah, he tries to like choke him. But well, here's the funny thing: he takes his gun, right? Yep. And then instead of shooting him with the gun, he throws the gun in a corner. So when he goes, oh, look, there's my gun. And he goes to get the gun. And then he tries like choking him with his legs. And then he just beats him down or Johns beats him with a like a baton. And then he just like passes out. I don't know. I'm not again. I'm not, I don't know the point of this scene. I think it's just to show that Riddick is dangerous even when he's blindfolded and handcuffed, I guess. Right. He, he's, he's like 
you know, John's is the ultimate bounty hunter. This is the most dangerous guy in the universe. Right, right, yeah. Kind of, kind of sort of thing, right. Okay. Yeah. So they basically, they figure out they're crash landed on this planet. It's like a desert planet. Um, they eventually figure out that there is no sundown. There's three suns. Okay. And like, as, as two of them are setting, one of them is rising. So it's, it's always daylight. Yep. Um, so they like, they kind of scavenge up what they can, um, from like the wreckage of the ship. Um, and then they were like, okay, we got to go, you know, look for something else, right? We have to get out of here, you know, or they're looking in the distance and they think what they see are trees. It turns out they're just like bones. Yep. Bones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and at this point, uh, yeah, Zeke stays behind um, and he's going to go check out these other like kind of like tube looking things. Um, he's going to go down yeah. to see if he can like, you know, I don't know what he's going to find down there, but he wants to go down there to, to see what he can find. Um, at this point, Riddick escapes again, uh, but they don't just catch him again at this point. He's just gone. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, they're out. They go to the, tr- the tree things. They find out it's just bones. Um, so they come back. Um, and then Zeke is like trying to look in these like tubes, which end up turning into caves. Um, and as he goes into the cave, he gets attacked and, and, killed by something you see blood spurting all over the place um and they catch riddick there on the scene right um so yeah so they they capture him and they basically like accuse him of killing him because again he's like you know this scary escaped murderer guy there's like there's a guy with dead (laughs) and he was there with a knife in his hand so they assume that he did it um so they go back and there's you know it's kind of like the starting well, I mean, I guess they already did start, but they're starting this rivalry between Johns and Riddick. Um, so where Riddick is saying, you know, they're like, Oh, we found blood down there, like where's his body? And he's like, Go down further, you know, you'll find yeah. it. Yeah. <clears throat> and he's like, Well, I don't know if I wanna, you know, do that. But anyway, so the one um the pilot lady, was it Fry? I think her name is Fry. Yeah, Car- Fry. Carolyn yeah. Fry. Yeah. Um, so she goes down um, to try to see to find Zeke's body. She finds these like monsters that are down there um, that only live in the dark. Um, and they yep. you know, attack her. She manages to get out. Um, she almost gets sucked back in a couple times, but she manages to get out. So basically they figure out, okay, there's these monsters that live um, under the ground in the dark. Um, so as long as they stay in the sun, they'll be safe. Right. Yep. So Riddick is like, you know, kind of exonerated. Um, and at this point they figure out, well, you know, we're kind of in the middle of nowhere. We all have to work together to get out of this. So like, you know, they kind of cut him free, but they make him like, kind of like, I don't know, like their servant, I guess. Like he keeps making him do like grunt work job stuff. Yes. Cause he's the rough, muscular, dangerous man. Right. Right. <laughs> um, so there's, you know, so they're, they're searching around the planet, trying to find something else. They end up finding this little like, um, settlement. Right. Yep. Um, of course, it's been abandoned. There's nobody around. Um, no bodies. No nothing. Um, and they're like, "Oh, I wonder what's going on." So they're you know, they're looking around. They don't find anything, but they do find this like the little planetary diorama. I don't know how else to describe that thing. Uh, they don't really figure out too much about it now, but it, they do find it at this point. Yeah, that's it's very called <laughs> right. Yeah. So they find out there's a ship there. Um, that could potentially get them off the planet. It's like, but it's old. Um, but not only needs to be repaired, but it needs to be like, you know, powered up. Yep. 
Um, so yeah, they're basically like, okay, you know, here's the plan for getting us off this planet. Um, you know, we have to go back to the other ship and get, um, you know, power cells, these yeah. power cells and bring them yeah. back here. But, uh, Johns convinces the pilot not to get them right away because she basically, he basically tells her that if you go and get them right away and bring them back here, then Riddick's just going to kill us all and take the ship. Cause he's also a pilot, right? Cause he's also a pilot. So basically they, we, he tells her this, we have to wait till the last minute to bring these, uh, these uh you know power cells to the ship to make sure that yeah. he doesn't kill us all and around this time is when they they find the uh the, the one of the the little um worshiper guys keith david's little little buddies yeah yep um he gets uh into this what they call the coring room and he gets in there and there's like all these bats um and these bats basically like rip them apart uh, and these bats came from like the cave in the ground because they were like drilling down in the ground so like apparently they drilled down far enough to get the bats out yeah um so yeah so they do that and they at that point you know they figure out okay that's what happened to them they all got killed by that and about this time they they figure out that the diorama is also showing them that um you know every 22 years there's this eclipse um they don't say how long it lasts but it's kind of implied that it's going to be a long time yeah that's very much implied that yeah, they think that all of them were killed during this last eclipse that happened. Right. Yeah. Which because made the basically right. pitch black. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, they all hid in this coring room and then yeah. the, the bats came out of the cave and killed them all in there. That's what basically, and they, they show all like the bones and stuff down in the cave. But so I think somebody throws a like a glow light down there. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, okay. So at this point, they know they have a limited amount of time because they're starting to see like rings in the sky from like this Saturn type of planet that's going to cause the eclipse. They're like, okay, uh, we only have a limited amount of time to get out of here. We need to get moving. So they go, they, you know, they all go down to uh, the old crashed ship and they get the power, you know, nodes and all that kind of stuff and they're ready to go back. And then the eclipse happens earlier than they thought it would. Right. Um, so potentially the truck that they were going to bring everything back with is a solar powered truck. So this solar powered truck is useless now because the sun is gone. Yep. Um, I mean, you would assume that there'd be some kind of like a battery. <laughs> Someplace to store <laughs> the extra energy. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yes. something. But yes. I guess, I mean, on this planet, they also show that like they didn't have any lights in the buildings because it was always daylight. Yeah. yeah. So, so like whoever, these, sc- whoever scouted this planet did a poor job of looking yeah. at like lunar cycles. <laughs> right. Like, Even though they had a little diorama that would have easily shown you what yes. whatever. <laughs> um, so yeah, so yeah, okay. Now at this point it's now pitch black on the whole planet. They have no way to get back. Um they all end up like hiding in the cargo thing. Um a few of them die. Claudia Black dies at this time. Yeah. Um, yeah, Zeke died in the cave. I'm trying to think of who else was dead. I know one of the little um, Keith David's little teenager guys was dead. Yep. Um, I think that's it. Well, they ended up killing the... There was another survivor that came up to them, and they ended up killing them because they thought it was Riddick. Um, yeah, so Claudia Black dies when they're all going into the um, the cargo you know, uh, storage containers. They kind of sealed themselves in. Um, so all these, like the bats and like, it seems like these bigger creatures came out 
Like these are yeah. like the, the ones that are even more sensitive to light that only the bigger ones come out when it's super dark. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the bigger ones come out, the bigger ones are, are slowly making their way into their um, cargo container. Um, they end up killing another one of the uh, uh, little teenager guys. I don't know yep. what they're called. What do you call those guys? I just, I thought they were just his kids. Well, they're not. Well, pilgrims. Whatever. Pilgrims. Yeah, okay, sure. There you go. Little, little pilgrims. Why not? Little yeah. pilgrims. So, so we lose another little pilgrim. Um, and then, you know, Riddick is, you know, trying to help and trying to fight them at this point in time. But, you know, there's too many of them in there. He can't do much. Um, right. So they end up, yeah, they cut themselves into another container. They seal themselves in. Um, and they're essentially, they think they're safe for the time period. And then, you know, these bigger ones can stab through the walls. So they're like stabbing their tail or claws, whatever, through the walls. Yeah. Um, so they realize that they're not going to be safe there. So they need to get out. So they basically decide that they need to gather up all the light stuff they can find um, and essentially make a sled um, and put like these light sources in this sled um, and then put the the power converter, you know, things in the sled, and then they have to drag it to the new ship. Yep. Um, now they where they pull like these big fiber optic things out of the ship, um, and everybody like wraps themselves with them things, and then they have like these uh, like liquor bottles with little flame tops. Jack Daniels. Um, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> they have, right. They have like a couple of flashlights. Um, I think John's has a light on his gun. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, just gather as much light as they possibly can, right? Oh, yeah, hopefully. I think I, I should probably th- like John's at this point. We find out that he's a uh, a drug addict and that he he, he stabbed himself in the eye, yeah, the weird looking, yeah, he stabbed yeah. himself in the corner of his eye with this morphine. Yep. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so uh, you know, Fry is originally on his side, um. You know, but to find out that he's not actually a cop because he was kind of pretending like he was a cop. He's wearing a cop uniform with a cop badge. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, Riddick is, you know, they're kind of playing back and forth. Like I said, they had that rivalry going. Um, so they're playing back and forth to where Riddick says, yeah, he's not really a cop. You know, he's a drug addict. You know, ask him why your friend, you know, who is impaled, you know, in the, when the ship crashed, why he had to die in pain when John could have just given him his morphine that he had. Uh, yeah, just stuff like that. Yeah, so well, I mean, he's a, he's a dick. I mean, we've known this for well, yeah, movie, the guy is yeah. an ass. I mean, they're they're <laughs> yeah. like constantly, you know, fighting each other. They're constantly like trying to one up each other. They're having the dick measuring contest, right? Yes, yes. So that was, yeah, <laughs> just just saying like that. This has been going on for this whole movie. Um, yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so they get the so they got this machine that like powers the fiber optic things on the sled. Everybody's wrapped up in these fiber optic things. Um, they have the the. Yeah, the flashlights, the uh, some glow sticks, a couple of flares. So man, they yeah. got a bunch of light sources, right? So they all, you know, put everything in this sled. They get the the power uh, cell things, and they're all kind of moving. And and Riddick at this point is going to lead them because he's got the eye shine, which is some kind of surgical procedure done to his eyes that lets him see in the dark. Yeah, and that's why he wears his goggles, is because right. yeah, he wears he- his goggles during the day because his eyes are made to work in the dark. And yeah. even in normal light, he's blinded, which you would have seen like if the if 
the sun was that bright to where like normal people could barely see, like he would probably be like blinded by it. Right. Oh, absolutely. Hey, he just put his hand slightly above his face. (laughs) I know. But again, (laughs) like he keeps taking the glasses off, putting the glasses back on. Yeah. It doesn't matter if he's outside in the sun or if he's in pitch blackness. Like it's, it's just random when he puts them on and takes them off. It's like every scene he's in one or the other. Anyway. Um, so yeah, they all decide, okay, we need to take this sled and we need to get it to, um, you know, the other settlement, right? So they're going out there and they're like, the light is keeping these monsters at bay, but they're like constantly like swooping over them. Um, and you know, like messing with them and like, you know, you can hear them like, you know, killing other stuff around them and all kinds of stuff. So anyway, they get swooped on a couple of times. The rich dude with the glasses panics, um, and try and tries crawling away. And when he's crawling away, he ends up knocking down the fiber optics because he's wearing the fiber optics and he ends up pulling the power source out and he breaks the whole thing yep. so you know he breaks the power of the fiber optic thing so everybody that was now using fiber optics now has to use like the, the, the liquor in a bottle um, and he gets killed obviously because you know he was too far away when his light source went out so he gets killed and eaten and torn apart um, so then they're, they're moving on now with a little bit of light left um, you know, Riddick is of course leading because he can see in the dark, and he's got like flashlights on his back, yes, <laughs> or something, and that protects his whole body somehow. Anyway, so they are, you know, moving forward. Um, they end up finding out that um, Riddick has found this canyon, and there's like a million of them in this canyon. He doesn't know how to get through. Um, and so he's like, they, he's, I guess he circled around one time, um, you know, trying to figure out how they're going to get through this thing. Um, and then this is when we get the revelation that, um, you know, he's saying, well, it's hard. It's going to be hard for us to get through with the girl bleeding. They're like, and what so, girl? Yeah, so they're looking at Fry and she's all like, what? They're like, I'm not bleeding. Uh, but then they are looking at the other girl. And of course, Jack, the boy, the teenage boy who, um, has like kind of emulated, um, uh, Riddick, like, yeah, shaved his yeah. head uh put on his glasses that look just like him uh so at this point we find out that it's actually a girl and, uh, period joke yeah period <laughs> joke she's apparently you know bleeding right yes. so yeah and these things go after blood so like she is now a liability yep um so yeah so they're basically they decide oh yeah well we got to get through this canyon so let's just walk straight through it i mean i don't know if that was the the solution i don't know why they didn't just figure that out <sighs> right in the beginning anyway so they're going right through it um and then johns and riddick are like you know moving forward faster than the rest of them because johns is trying to convince riddick to kill one of the people that are left yep. and let them like drag him behind so that the things will all go after that body and let them go yeah. Um. And so Riddick is kind of sort of playing along, um, just to see how far he's going to get to see who he's going to suggest that they kill. Um. And then he eventually decides on Jack. You know, yep. the, the the boy slash girl, right? Yeah. Um. And at this point, Riddick just basically says no, and then they fight. <laughs> yeah. And then and then he kills Johns, and then that part is over. So the the rivalry is now over. Um. And then they realize we they don't have enough um strength to pull the stuff anymore. Um, yeah. So yeah, basically Riddick decides that he's going to grab all of the power cells himself by himself. Yeah. He's strong. He's, right. And he's going to run with them by himself and everybody else just has to keep up with them. Um, so, yeah, so they run um, <laughs> and they're trying to, uh, to keep, you know, to keep up with them and they're going through there. I believe there's only one of the little pilgrims left. 
Yeah. Um, and at this point, and as they're moving through, because they like some of these bones, they have to like crawl through because um, it's like a bone canyon. Right. Um, and the little pilgrim gets hurt in the leg. Um, so he gets slowed down. He keeps up with them. But, you know, obviously these things are going after blood. So they're getting attacked more now. Um, and they're attacking each other as well. So it's like raining like blue blood because apparently yes. these things have blue blood. So they're all like attacking each other. They're just like violence machines. They're hungry. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they're hungry enough. They'll just eat each other in less than a day. It seems like yep. a, it seems like evolution failed. It's how species survive. Yeah. <laughs> right. It'd be like if the cicadas every 17 years just came out and ate each other. They're pretty cool. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it would be great because then they wouldn't come back. But. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, basically, they go through. Uh, they have to stop because like, it starts raining. <laughs> so, they're, they're uh, um, you know, they're, they're because basically the ones that they have left are the liquor bottles with the flame on them. So, the flames get put out by the water. Um, yeah. So, they have to stop. Um, Riddick uh, is, is, opens up this cave to put them in there. Uh, the little pilgrim gets taken away at this point. You know, he gets you know, swooped on, attacked, and taken away um so keith david the imam is very distraught at this point um so they go into the uh the cave and then it's um it's fry uh it's jack and it's uh keith david the imam are the only ones that are left in this cave so yeah. riddick riddick seals the cave with the rock and he says well i don't know if he, he doesn't say he's coming back i think no, just, he just does just, it yeah they just assume he's coming back well, I think they assume he's not coming. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think they they have a hope that he's going to come back. Jack definitely has hope, but the other ones, I don't know. They're, they're probably well, just well like, Imam, Imam and him have the discussion about God and all that stuff, and he's like, "You don't believe in God?" He's like, "I believe. I just hate him." Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so anyway, yeah. So Riddick, um, you know, ends up making it to the um, uh, the settlement. You know, of course, yep. he has like a, a showdown with the, the the animal things which he finds a blind spot that be right in the middle yeah, of their face put your face right up to their face and then they can't see you which is a genius plan for something that's trying to right only but but you know that's the that we'll get to that little point <laughs> 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 anyway so um yeah he gets to the ship he power you know he gets the power cells in there he powers everything up everything's going great and it looks and he's closing up the ship and it looks like he's gonna leave by himself yeah um so uh yeah, back in the cave, um, they run out of the liquor, so their little flame lights go out. And when the flame lights go out, they find all these like glow worms all over the walls. Right. So they they take the glow worms and they put them in the bottle, and the bottle now becomes a light because they got glow worms, in it. which are um, very very hard worms. Right, they look very very soft. Like they're there's like plinks when they drop them <laughs> into there, right. and it seems very hard when they're shoving them through the bottle. And you assume they would be squishy. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she somehow Fry ends up like getting out of the cave from some calls, other. I think she goes up. Right. Yeah. Like, she it's goes. Just, it's like a up. crack in the canyon wall. Right. So there's a crack in the canyon. Of right. Side yeah. Canyon. So yeah, yeah, the Imam and Jack stay behind in the cave, even though they yeah. have their own light. But whatever. Yep. Um. So she runs back to the um to the the, the camp, whatever. Um. She gets to the ship. Riddick opens it up. He's like, you know, hey, let's go. Like, you just come with me. You know, we'll, we'll just leave together. And she's like, no, I can't. She's like, you know, breaking down. Like, you know, I have to go back and save them. You know, I tried to kill them before. Now I'm like dedicated to saving them. And yeah. so Riddick is like trying to like force her into the ship. And I, I, I don't know. It, it's they kind of yeah. keep his like intentions so vague that it's like you don't know if he's just fucking with her 
or oh, if yeah, he, he really is. I, I mean, feel like I, he, he is. is. Yeah. I mean, again, and later in these later movies, obviously that we won't be going over, but they do show that he's like, you know, a good guy at heart. He just, an would asshole. you die for them? Yeah. Right. He's just an asshole. And yeah. He's like, yes, I would. And he's like, all right, let's go get him. <laughs> so they like he was just like fucking with her trying to get her to say like i made a mistake now i'll die for them i'm sorry i tried to kill them earlier and he's just like all right let's go yep um so yeah they go back to the cave um yeah because he's got his flashlight back <laughs> uh, they go back to the cave they open it up they pull out the imam and uh um jack um and they're going back to the ship um and then something happens where fry gets like separated from them and then gets essentially like attacked as they're trying to get back in the ship um, and sacrifices herself until like, she does indeed die to save everybody else's. Yes. She gets um, stabbed and pulled away into the darkness. Right. Right. So then, uh, yeah, then it's Riddick um, and the Imam and Jack are all in the ship. Everything's all sealed up. Um, then he's about to take off and then he shuts the ship down and they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, we can't leave. <laughs> and they're all like, what do you mean? He's like, without saying goodbye <laughs> and then he yes then he hits the the engines and they all burn up burn. all the things near him and then he around them yeah. yeah he hits a whole bunch of them like on the way, on out. The way out like they're rolling all over the windshield and shit yeah um yeah and then they got out into space and then movie over oh and you've got the you know the lenny line you know what should we tell what happened to rick Tell him Riddick died on the planet. <laughs> right. Like, well, what? There's three people in the ship. The ship is so small, there's nowhere for you to hide in here. What do you right. mean, say out you're dead? You're right there. Yeah. And you got the goofy glasses and the shine on your eyes. It's like, yeah. it's, you can't hide. He, he tried to have one-liners. I feel well, like I, he wrote them himself. He had a lot, but it was like they were all they were all written like uh, in a capsule, you know, like away from each other. That's why they all involve taking the glasses off or putting the glasses on, is because they were written like separately. Yeah. So like, if you want to want a cool one liner with a character that always wears glasses, you're either going to put them on or take them off, right? I mean, that's the well, Dave, we, David Caruso school exactly, of one liners. Yes. yes. <laughs> right. I mean, that's how you do it. You, know, you have to put them on or take them off. End of story. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, we'll just follow that rule. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that right. part of it, it doesn't make sense. But, yes, the movie is now over. <laughs> All right. So, first thoughts for you on this movie. When you first saw this. I'm assuming this is not your first time. No, I've seen this movie, I don't know, a lot of times. Right. Um, but, yeah, no, I watched it when it first came out. Again, it was uh, this in theaters? Like sci-fi. No, I did not see this one in theaters. Okay. Event Horizon, I did not see in theaters either. I'll clarify that. All right. Because um, at this point in time, um, I did not have enough money to go to theaters, but I did have video money, you know? So yeah. I, I had video rental money. I did not have movie theater money. Fair. Um, so, yeah, I rented it as soon as it came out um, because, you know, I'd seen the previews. And, uh, you know, again, I knew it was sci fi. I knew it was, you know, horror adjacent. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was. And Vin Diesel, I didn't really know at that time. I mean, did Fast and the Furious, I'm assuming came out like around the same time right to this came out in 2000 right fast and furious what has been has fast and furious been around for 20 years i don't know they're on like 12 <laughs> i have no 10, idea yeah i have no idea how many of them there are but i don't know how long it's been around uh fast and furious came out the year after okay as i was gonna say as i was i was pretty sure this was the first thing that i ever saw vin diesel in um and i i liked it i loved this movie when it came out i mean i was in the that age range um you know i was, it was like what 
2000. So this is you know, just post high school. So I was like, well, like 20 ish. So yeah. Like yeah. Something so yeah, like that. I was, I was still in that mindset where I enjoyed like, you know, goofy, cheesy one liners, you know, it's, it's stuff like that. So this was, <laughs> this was like right in the sweet spot when it came out. Like I loved this movie when it came out. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic. I showed a bunch of other people this movie. They didn't really feel the same energy that I felt, <laughs> but I loved it. I tried to get everybody to watch it. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I saw this in theaters. Now, I wouldn't have been technically old enough. I think it's one of those things where my buddy worked at the movie theater at the time. This was one of the movies that we saw in theaters where we're like, hey, you're under 17. It's R. You can you work here. So you can go see whatever movie you want. Type deal. Uh, first thought. Uh, at that time, I thought, you know, it was very sci-fi, horror-ish elements. There's other horror movies around this time frame that were heavily CGI creatures. And it was pretty, I thought it was pretty good for at that time uh, when I first thought. Uh, and I, I, when I met the wife then, like a year later, don't recall if she has seen this or not. But we know we watched it then. And we, we probably put it on. Uh, probably every year or so, just as background noise more than anything else at this point. Okay. Uh, I think she. I think she just rewatched the entire trilogy this year, actually. So let me rewatch. It's, actually, it's, actually, it's a quadrilogy now. Well, live action trilogy. How about that? <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, rewatch wise, though, I, I'm not on this rewatch. It was hard for me to sit through this. What? Yeah. This is this was uh, one that I was like, I have to keep myself awake to watch. I've seen it so many times. I feel. Oh yeah, Probably I more than I anything actually, else. I actually watched it on TV like a couple months ago, and then I rewatched it again <laughs> this week. It, it, it's probably the one I've watched the most on this on this list. Uh yeah, it's, that's that's definitely true. Which is weird. Yeah, I mean, Event Horizon and Pandorum I've seen quite a few times, but I I know for a fact I've seen Pitch Black more. Yes, it's on TV more too. Yeah, yeah, it's like one Absolutely. of those like after yeah. like cable yeah. movies, right? Um, you know, did you do you find anything? Do you still get the same enjoyment on your rewatches? I mean, obviously you, you you're watching it on purpose couple months ago <laughs> right and this um, is just on tv yeah no i mean i again i still love this movie i think it's i think it's great i love this is the kind of like cheesiness that i enjoy it's not overly done i mean it's not like he's not like superhuman like he does get beaten by john several times yeah um so he's not like you know a superhuman that can never be stopped or anything you know like he is injured and and, and stopped a few times so it's i don't know it, it's uh I really like the character. I really like the movie. Okay. I mean, again, the Chronicles of Riddick wasn't necessarily that great. I think that was basically like uh, you give uh, like a B movie director too much money, and I you think get John that's, Carter. Yeah. <laughs> hey, okay. Well, John Carter is a different story. I really like John Carter. John Carter was a great movie that got ruined by bad marketing. Yeah, that's fair. Because they tried to market that movie as something that it was not. Oh yeah, because that movie is just a like a fun kind of adventure, epic, like uh, you know, epic adventure, right? I mean, that's basically what it is, you know, a fantasy epic adventure kind of thing. And they tried selling it as something else because if you don't know 
um, who John Carter is, the, the marketing didn't make any sense. Nobody knows who John Carter is. Right. You know what I mean? Like you're talking but, like Burroughs wrote those for a different generation. Like no one in the oh, current yeah. generation had any idea who John Carter was. Correct. And they tried to selling it as a completely new original thing when it was not. Yeah. Uh, again, there's so many. I know. I know we're getting way off topic, but yeah, John Carter. I love that movie. I own it. I watch it <laughs> a lot because <laughs> I like it a lot. I just think it got an unfair shake. Yeah. Um, so for you, so so I mean, you you prefer more cheese in your sci-fi while well, i prefer more cheese in my horror it depends it depends on what it is it depends on if it's done well riddick as a character is a fun character right yeah um, i think in this one obviously this is like his first foray out right um this yeah. one it was yeah was he a little overdone sure <laughs> i mean that's that's the you know there's no mistaking that it was a little overdone but it's still fun chronicles of riddick was like okay what, what happens world, if you overdo it to the yeah. extreme? Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. so now you have way too much money for a character that was, it's a B movie character that you're giving like a triple a budget to, and you end up with Chronicles of Riddick. Who knows what the hell was going on there. Right. Um, but then Riddick, the third one, it goes back to its roots and it's a good movie. Oh, it's definitely grittier. Yeah. R- right. Chronicles of Riddick was like, like George Lucas took it over and built a Star, <laughs> a right. Star Wars prequel environment for Riddick. Right. Right. <laughs> Um, and I, I do, I do like pitch black better than Riddick. Riddick is, is a contender for being the best of the series because it is, it is more grounded. They go back to yeah. a normal Riddick adventure instead of the wacky, who knows what the hell the Chronicles of Riddick was. Uh, I don't know. Um, it, I mean, Dark Fury was good. It was, uh, animation done by Peter Chung. Peter Chung is, he does a lot of cool stuff, um, yeah. like Aeon Flux and stuff. I mean, yeah. Everybody's familiar with that style. He's done a lot of other things like Animatrix and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, so I mean, overall, I really like the character. This is an interesting start to it. I know we're not going to talk about the rest of it, but no. um, but yeah, I like it. All right. So what, for for you, what are your highlights of this movie? Um, highlights of this movie, I mean, have to be Riddick himself. I mean, just that he's a you know the the, the gritty antihero character, right? That um tries very very hard to be um the asshole that doesn't give a shit about anyone but you yeah. know but he kind of also relishes being needed um yeah. but he kind of forces them to like you know kind of grovel a little bit before he'll help them what i think he was planning on helping them all along but he's the he's a convict of the heart of gold yeah yeah that's fair ish that's fair. yeah yeah ish ish <laughs> uh yeah, highlights for me. Um, like I said on, on rewatch the 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 planet itself. You know, we obviously there's other things in here we discussed that are close to it around the same time from like Ghost of Mars, Red Planet. It just felt right in that line for me. Um, you know, the the it was it's definitely more sci-fi, but you know, it's still, it's still horror enough for me to really to to like it. Um, and just that that other planet stuff that we got in the early 2000s right well the, the other interesting thing um is that you know like the first time you watch this movie i mean it's hard for me to put my mind there because it was a long time ago but the first time you watch this movie is it's really kind of implied that this is going to be a slasher movie yes with riddick as the guy that's hunting and killing everyone yes it's it's like heavily implied that and then like that totally switches about halfway through and, yeah, and the rewatches you don't really get that because you know where it's going, and, and Riddick doesn't do anything like overly like 
I mean, he does some weird, creepy shit, like with the cutting her lock of hair. I mean, that's like creepy kind of like, hey, I might murder you kind of stuff. So, I mean, they do kind of imply that, but on a rewatch, you don't you don't really see it. I, I think he's just trying to build a legacy and a, and a legend around himself. Fair. And that he has these expectations that he has to live up to, and he's more than happy to lean into them. Yeah. That's, why, that's how I felt about his character. Yeah, but I mean, but they, especially they, in this one. Yeah, they purposely like, you know, John's like purposely oversells him as this murder machine yeah. that, you know, that has no feelings and only kills, right? Um, right? And then like he doesn't really do himself favors by like creeping around. <laughs> like I said, like cutting off her <laughs> hair and sniffing it. I mean, it's like, you know, he's doing some weird creepy stuff. So it's like, it, it's like kind of implied that he's going to be murdering people and then halfway through he doesn't. So it's like, yeah, it's like a slasher that stops before he kills anybody and then he ends up helping them against a greater threat. Yeah. The enemy of my enemy type deal. Right. So yeah, that's what that's where these horror the horror elements come in, I think. Right. Yeah. Is there's there's two different horror elements and they both kind of well, there's a twist and then you know, so there's one and then a twist and then another. Yeah. But yeah, the the other movies in this really don't don't do that. No. All right. What about low points for you on this one? Um Low points is <sighs> trying to think of of how to to <laughs> to put it in words. I mean, I know. <laughs> I, can I do Riddick as both the high point and the low yes, point? Okay, he's, he's my low point. <laughs> I was going to say like he is the high point because he's a great character. I love the character, but in this movie in particular, they way overdo his like his one liners and the taking and putting on the glasses and like breaking his own like rules yes, with, with stuff. And, and again, he's, he's great. And also his own worst enemy at the same time. Yes. So I would say he's also, he's, he's highlight and his own low point. Yeah. Uh, definitely low point, especially on the rewatches is like, it's like Vin Diesel trying to get into the, the action hero gig and it feels like this is something he would write himself sometimes. Some of the lines, just like, I want to be this mysterious Han Solo anti-hero that has one-liners that's strong that everyone wants to idolize and be weird and creepy at the same time. Okay, and- now, <laughs> the one thing you have to really understand about Vin Diesel, right, is how he plays characters, how he always plays like the gruff, you know, yeah. mean mercenary guy. He's a huge D&D geek. Yeah. Okay. Now I can can you see him playing the same character like, like that he plays in most of his movies? Can you see him playing a D and D character just like that? Chaotic neutral? Yeah. Well, just like yeah, just like the anti hero, right? Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> so I, I think that he's just been playing that character for so long in his own D and D games and worlds that he just is great at playing that character, but also with D and D because D and D can get goofy and cheesy and wacky yeah. at times. And I think he just kind of leans into that because, you know, he has such a history of, of the D and D stuff. Yeah. I, it just, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like he's written the script. All right. No, rip your glasses off and make this seem like you threw him a hundred yards. <laughs> I, again, I think, like I said, most of those one-liners were written like apart from each other. But yeah. it, I, again, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. like that's what it's, it feels like. They were written all like by different people at different times, and they didn't realize they were all going to do the same thing with classes. Yeah. All right. So, number of sealed doors out of ten for you. Um, let's see. This movie, I will give. <laughs> Eight sealed doors out of eight. 
I do. I like this movie a lot. I understand it's cheesy. I understand people don't like it as much as me, but I have a lot of very fond memories of this movie. Um, uh, uh, I mean, it's still enjoyable. You know, it's still enjoyable seeing, you know, Keith David. Keith David's great mm-hmm. in everything he's in. Uh, you know, Fry, she ends up being in the first uh, Silent Hill game. Johns is in the cave. Uh, so it was a good introduction for me for a lot of people that did other horror things. Um, obviously, we knew Keith David before this. Right. Uh, but I, I don't have to go down to a 6.5. I, I, don't know, I, I don't know if I'm just too jaded on it. No, I, I understand. I'm not. I'm not judging you for it. I'm just saying. No. In my mind, <laughs> this yeah, movie it's fair. is probably better than it actually is, but it still holds up when I watch it. So therefore, it I said just just this rewatch for me struggling to stay awake while watching it. Yeah. Um. I, it's probably like I said partly because I've just seen it too many times. Quite mm-hmm. honestly, that's fair. All right. So. Let's get into our next one chronologically, which is Sunshine. Uh, now, I could hear some people saying this isn't a horror movie, and we had this very same discussion off off the pod of whether this is a horror movie or not. Um, and we decided, yeah, we're going to go just because of things that happen. And, you know, I discussed it with the wife as well. And on the rewatch, too, I can see it. I absolutely see it. So. Well, there, yeah, there's definitely strong yes. horror elements. Um, yes. Again, I wouldn't say it's their main element, but I mean, no. there's, there's a lot no. of movies that we've done where horror isn't the main element, but it's still there. Yeah, this is this is more psychological, like better than Armageddon and the core, and you know, yeah. reviving the planet or the sun storylines that we've got in that time frame ish area. But you do also get like the whole slasher element. Oh, absolutely, of it too. yeah, absolutely, yeah. yes. It's, it's more psychological and the idea of the deep space that we'll get into, like the loneliness and the the, the mindset that you have to be in that situation. Right. Um, <clears throat> so let's recap this. Go ahead, sir. With the recap of this, I'm trying to remember how it starts off. Quite honestly. Um, well, it basically, they basically, it starts off with like narration, basically just telling you that, you know, whatever something. Well, they don't say what, it's but but the sun is dying. Yeah, yeah, the sun yeah. is dying. Yes. Um, so they're essentially they're in what they call a solar winter, which I mean, aren't all winters solar winters? But uh, they're saying it, it's a solar winter because the sun is dying, so the Earth is is steadily getting colder. Um, yeah, and and because of that, that because of the sun dying, they basically come up with this like experimental um, bomb that they're essentially going to fly a spaceship up to the sun throw this bomb in the sun to revitalize and like you well, know. Re- revitalize or they said essentially create another sun. Well, yeah, it. create another sun within the star. Right. Yeah. But essentially they're going to yeah, throw a bomb at the sun to make it work again is essentially yeah. what they're going to do. Um, and they had sent out a, uh, a, a, you know, a ship with all the tools to do this. Um, and they completely lost contact with the ship. So the sun never woke back up, lost contact with the ship. They assume it's lost. It's failed. And that was how, did they say how many years? It was like three or something like that. Uh, I don't remember. I think it was five. It was like four it takes years, what, five years. Well, it takes about 
I mean, before between before they realized they lost contact with it. I mean, obviously, it takes what three years or four years to get to the sun. Um, well, I think they said it took them like six to eight months. Oh, okay, to fly there. Um, and I know that their their communications go further than that, but because of all the solar radiation, the closer you get to the sun, time distortion. Yeah. Well, I mean, just the the solar radiation itself will stop communication from working. And the other ship had already been past that point when yeah. they lost connection. So that everything was going fine when they hit the barrier, so they couldn't communicate with them anymore. But then they they never heard from them again, and the sun never woke up. So they they knew that yeah. the, it was a failure. So essentially, they they put together a second. They're sending the second one out. Yeah, um, and this is called Icarus because they're flying to the sun. So right. obviously we get the mythology because of it. And right. this is Icarus 2. The first one's Icarus. And their AI is called Icarus. Right. <laughs> which is... <laughs> well, it's the name of the ship. It's the ship itself. Right. It's just named the AI Icarus as well. Right. Um, and, it had a lady, yes. and it had a lady voice. Yes. So that's, yeah. uh, but essentially, as they're, you know, we kind of see a little bit of their day-to-day. We see that, you know, we get to the same introduction scenario without people waking up from cryo essentially right right yeah they're just all like sitting around a dinner table kind of sort of like teasing right. each other and introducing the characters to us right yeah we we, we skip there's no cryo because it's such a short time now if it was four, four or five years i could see them doing cryo but because it's such a short trip they do that so we skip to the we skip to the mess hall essentially right of it um and as they're getting closer you know we find out more of their their characters and Honestly, it's a huge cast that's in this. Um, um so yeah. Murphy, Rose Byron, Chris Evans, uh, you, uh, Cliff uh, Curtis, Cliff Curtis, Benedict Wong, Michelle Yeoh, uh, Mark Strong. Yeah. Which <laughs> we'll discuss how wasted he is in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. And, uh, the guy who played Scorpion. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Hiroyuki Sonata. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know his name, but I've seen him in like a lot of things. And so he's yeah. like one of those actors that if it's anything that's done like in Japan or around Japan, he's always in it. And he's yeah. fantastic. He kills it. Yes. He's, he's a great actor. I just don't I just yeah. don't know his name. So um but we find out was it was it the captain that's obsessed with looking at the sun? We it's, see uh, him. it was the, the psych guy, Cliff Curtis. Yeah, so it's psych psych guy, because obviously if you're in space you're doing this important mission to essentially save humanity. You need a psychological eye, which is a very smart thing that most places things don't have in space. Well, yeah, because yeah, <laughs> every movie has space madness in some way, shape, or form. Right. So this is the first movie they actually have someone ready to deal with space madness. Yeah, but he's obsessed with like looking directly at the sun, the, the the glory of it. He's like, all right, what what percentage am I seeing this? Like you're seeing it at like half a percent. Right. He's like, can I go up to four? No, you can go to three point one for thirty <laughs> seconds. Um, so he's essentially giving himself like a sun bath with that. And it's, and there's a lot of blinded lights in this movie, obviously, because they're going yeah. to the sun. Right. And yeah, um, and as, as the movie progresses, I mean, obviously not yet, but as the movie progresses, just as a side note, like he eventually like loses his hair and he eventually yeah. like he starts getting like such bad sunburn. He starts getting like blisters and stuff yeah. like so like he keeps showing you know, getting more and more exposed to the sun and keeps like. You know, obviously showing himself being burned by the sun more and more, just as the as the movie. Begins. Yeah. Um. But you know, they're talking about like you know they're they're going past the sun. They're they're about to pass Mercury, right? And they're like, hey, this is the point. This is the dead zone where you. This is where you have to send out your last transmissions before we 
head back because you can't get past anything here. Um, so, you know, Celine Murphy is kind of, I'd call him the, the protagonist of this movie. Um, he's sending stuff off, telling his sisters, like, hey, if you see a really bright, sunny day, just know that we did that because it's only take eight minutes for the light from the sun to reach Earth, you know, before you hear back from us that this worked or not. Uh, and then, you know, he's kind of like the last one before they go into that dead zone. So Chris Evans' character gets very upset. They fight. Then he decides, hey, I need to go see a psych person. And to help with his psych healing, he shaves his beard off and cuts his hair. Yep. As he, <laughs> so, he looks, so he looks like Chris Evans. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but they realize that uh, they get the, uh, essentially an SOS or the, what, the uh, inkling of Icarus 1. Right. Yeah, because yeah, they, they're, they're basically, yeah, they're past the the point where they can communicate with Earth, but they start picking up another distress signal. Right, yeah. which from Icarus. And like, so they have a pretty calm and rational discussion of, hey, you know, this is the one payload we have, this is the last one we have, and this is a slim chance. We should get the other payload, so we have two chances at this. You know, they're trying to figure out what makes the most sense. Right. Yeah, and they're pretty fair. They all give their their arguments as the yeah. you know like why they should go, why they shouldn't go. You know, like some people are saying like, hey, there might be somebody still alive, and they're all kind of dismissing that. But like, mm, that's not the mission. You know, the mission is right. to save humanity. Like, if there's a reason for us to go there that helps the mission, sure. But we can't just go there looking for survivors. It's, like, I mean, it made more sense. I I agree with the argument is do the mission first, then come back and get these people. I mean, arguably, sure, yeah. <laughs> arguably, I mean that the right. idea—that's the idea that you'd want to do that. Like, do your mission first. One, you know, uh, the seven people left alive that could be alive on there are less important than the rest of humanity, right? Yeah, but they, yeah, they yeah. eventually, yeah, they make the decision to go, not to look for survivors or anything like that. Yes, they make the decision payload. to go, yeah, because they get the second payload, which gives them a, you know, double Better the chance. chances of them being able to reawaken the sun. So they decide to go, attempt, yeah. right? They decide to go not because, <laughs> right? Of you know, not, humans, yeah, right? Not not because they were going <laughs> to save anybody or find out what happened or anything like that, but because this helps their mission overall yeah um but the navigator who is played by uh benedict wong mm-hmm. he w- when they do this when they go off their course he forgets to do the angle alignment of the sun shield essentially part of the shield gets damaged okay well to be to be fair to him <laughs> uh, basically he, he they the computer normally does all that like hard calculations and stuff but they yeah. had to hard um override yeah they had to hard override the computer because the computer wouldn't let them recalibrate where they're going because it would put more risk on the ship so he couldn't so he had basically had to override the ship and then do all that math himself to be fair he he did have a lot of stuff to do and he forgot one little thing what ended up being a very big thing but (laughs) but he did a lot of shit on his own before he got to that one mistake yeah um so kind of essentially they do that they're like oh crap you know, we have to fix a couple of panels um so celia murphy and the captain go out there yep and they were fixing this um and so they they're starting to repair it and you know they're kind of is that when the fire takes place um yeah essentially what yeah. happens is is um you know 
they had to, of course, because they, they he forgot to like re-angle the shield. So yeah. a little bit of the um the the antennas get burned. Yeah. Um and because of the antennas getting burned, because the antennas like spin around the ship. Yeah. Um, essentially, like when those antennas were like going past the sun, they were somehow like reflecting the sun's energy back into the ship. So when it was doing that, it was actually like it burning the like because the, the, the way that they like recycle their oxygen is they have like an atrium. So they have like all these plants oxygen farm. Yeah, yeah. That are essentially like recycling the air and that's how they're surviving. And so, yeah, this burnt out antenna that was because of the whole, you know, miscalculation miscalculation it reflects that light into there and it lights the plants on fire and essentially because of all the oxygen blows up the whole fucking oxygen farm so they they have some oxygen left obviously but they're not getting any more correct and so while they're trying to then escape the rays the blaze of the sun right uh the captain really you know doesn't make it he's burned alive silly murphy barely makes it back he stumbles a lot Oh. Yeah. Well, they kind of they have to do that because um, basically what happens is 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 the ship realizes the danger that they're in. Yeah, of course. Um, so it course corrects, and they could have overridden it, and they were trying to. Yeah. But basically, Chris Evans talked to the captain, saying like, "Hey, if we do this, like it's it's going to hurt the mission." Yeah. So like, if you you know essentially, if you sacrifice yourself, the mission can go on. If you don't, the mission is over. Pretty yeah. much. So right. yeah, the captain willingly sacrifices himself. So yeah, Cillian Murphy makes it out barely. <laughs> right. Um, and then the captain does that. Correct. And then Wong is very distraught because he his mistake caused the captain. His life essentially caused the fire in the oxygen farm. So he's very suicide risk, let's face it. Right. You know, trigger warning for those. And he's heavily sedated. Um so now they kind of go, you know, they don't have enough oxygen. Um, they're kind of talking about like, okay, maybe we have enough oxygen if there's less of us. Um, but they, you know, they go back, they go like, okay, now we have to go to Icarus one, not only get the payload, but also for the oxygen, to, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, so um, now there's multiple reasons why. Correct. Uh, so, you know, they go, a couple people go out, with onto the ship, they search the vessel, leave two people left on board. Um, when they realize that things are pretty optional, that their oxygen garden is very, it's a jungle essentially at this point in time. And they don't understand why, what happened to the crew because they see um, like a good group of them huddled in like the same room that the guy who was obsessed with the sun was in. And they like, burnt themselves alive, like all huddled together. At least that what that's what it looks like. Right. Um, so you know, like, okay, let's let's do that. Uh, but you know, the mainframe was sabotaged. Like somebody is alive and broke stuff on purpose. Right. Um, and you know, they have the discussion like, okay, whatever happened to them is kind of what's happening to us. Like the space madness is kind of kicking in. Would you agree to that? Yeah. Well, they, they find the message from the, the captain, the old captain, yeah. which is like heavily filled with like religious kind of propaganda 
like right. kind of heavily implying that he had to sacrifice them because we were supposed to die or some weird goofy yeah, stuff humanity like was destined to die right who are we to play god blah, right blah, blah, right blah. yeah so yeah essentially in his captain's log shows that you know he was intentionally going to sabotage stuff whether the rest of the crew was in on it or not we don't know i mean there was no never yeah. any you know <laughs> recordings of them or anything like they were complicit or not but i would kind of say that they were probably complicit just by the way that they were all sitting and huddling in that room you would think so but obviously things that happen later you may question that yeah yeah i mean yeah who knows they might have just been trapped in there and then they just did that because <laughs> it was like either that or you know curl up into a ball and die anyway so right now we do see a shadowy figure somewhere in the ship at some point right right um and you know the once again kind of like what happened is the umbilical cord the airlock kind of gets broken again Mm -hmm. because of you know there's explosive decoupling which you know i said hey look it's the umbilical cord we see this in almost every sci-fi movie that the airlock that exists gets it's damaged right um you know they realize they could they could make it uh but there's only one spacesuit because for every reason there's never enough spacesuits for everybody. Well, so you build tension. Right. Yes. Um, so the the acting the acting captain goes, hey, you know, Celia Murphy, you are the payload guy. Like, this is your job. You know this better than anyone else. So you have to be the one that survives before anything else. And we can only, op- we can only op- open the door from this side. So one of us has to stay behind. Right. Now, the interesting thing here is that Cillian Murphy, they keep saying he's the most important person, right? Yes. Why do they keep sending him? Like, there's people they that stay up, behind him, in the ship. They send him on the spacewalk with the captain where he right. can get burned up alive. Right. They send him to this other ship. I mean, I think he was there to check the payloads. Well, yeah. But, I, but I'm saying, like, if he's so yeah. important, the way that they're implying he's so important, why do you keep putting him at risk? He's the first one at risk. <laughs> right. Yeah. He because he, he falls a lot. Yes, um, so does. the new the new captain who's obsessed with the sun is like, hey, I'm staying behind, and then they start. Chris Evans and the other guy, I don't remember his name, um, start wrapping themselves up in like anything that could protect themselves, you know, from from the vacuum of space, like space blankets. Uh, yes, space blankets essentially. Um, so like, hey, you guys can do it. You just have to essentially shoot for the airlock in space, right? Um and you know protect yourself as much as possible. So you know, another another person, the next captain, obviously sacrifices himself. Um, Chris Evans is able to make it barely. The other guy does not. He essentially asphyxiates. He misses it and dies, freezes and dies. No, no explosive decompression with him. Right, and like I was saying, yeah, like in this movie, something completely different happens. In Event Horizon, yes. somebody ends up in open space and they explode essentially. And yeah. this movie, they just freeze. Yeah. So, um, so th- you know, they kind of they kind of make it. Uh, so now there's only a couple people. You know, a couple people have now died. Um, they realize that with the oxygen they have, for them to make it there, at least there, if not back, two more have to die. <laughs> Right, there has to be four people. It's only good for four people. Um, well, no, so, at, at that point, it's only one more. Okay. Because they lost the dude. Yeah. And the thing. So, yeah, before that point, yeah, it was two, but they lost that dude. 
Yeah. Uh, then, so they needed one more. So yeah, though they all kind of like try to, at first they say, oh, it has to be unanimous. And then yep. the one chick refuses to vote. And then they're like, okay, well, oh, we're going to vote and do it anyway. So it's like, well, why yeah. did you bother saying it had to be unanimous if it didn't? Right. They go, you know, the, we wouldn't, Benedict Wong's character has to be the one. He, we're, he, we're going to give him the knife to do it because he's that distraught and that it's easier to do. Um, but they find go there and find out that he already killed himself. So, okay, they go, great. We're, we're down to four. Problem solved. And then talk about, like, okay, do the calculation, see how much oxygen is left. You don't have enough, enough oxygen. Why not? There's four of us. No, there's five. What? Who's the fifth? Right. <laughs> um, so we kind of figured out that it's the captain who is completely burnt. We never really see him. He's very distorted the entirety of everything we see him in. Like he's like a solar flare. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically yeah, like the camera gets all like, you know, like wobbly and like, yeah. and like yeah. super bright and stuff. Yeah. But you never get a clear shot of the guy. You never see Correct. a full body version of him, a clear picture Correct. of him. So we find out that is him that sabotaged it because he thinks everyone should be dead. And it's his mankind's fate. Right. Um, and then he's, I believe he essentially takes the mainframe out of the liquid coolant. Right. And Chris Evans character who we see mess with it before. That's kind of his job. He's in charge. He's the it guy. <laughs> essentially. Sure. I'll, I'll buy that. <laughs> and he goes, man, he like, he can't automatically go put them back in because the mainframe's frying and it's a computer so it doesn't have the safety mechanisms in place so he has to manually go essentially into the antifreeze that's what probably negative 150 yeah degrees. I don't know. super cold yeah so he has to manually but not as cold as space in. correct he survived space <laughs> um, so he has to manually push the mainframes back into their coolant baths and is like the first time he's like almost dying he's like three more to do on the last one his leg gets trapped, so he starts bleeding out and freezing to death at the same time. Right, yeah. That was a horrible way to go. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, so then the computer system's disabled. Uh, he's saying, essentially, you complete it with the new captain. Um, the plant, the said, plant lady dies. The plant lady dies, yeah. She's killed by the other captain, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they're trying to figure out, they have to like, okay, now we have to release the payload by itself. Like we're screwed. No matter what we're going to die. We don't have enough for anything. So go into the payload area, which is like this giant cube. Right. Okay. Now here's my other <laughs> complaint. That whole thing had air. Yes. Why <laughs> are you saying? Are you saying that explosive devices don't need oxygen? I'm just saying, like, <laughs> no, I don't think this one does because it's shooting it at the sun. <laughs> That's an explode in space. It doesn't need oxygen. But uh, like that whole thing. I mean, that thing was gigantic inside there. I mean, uh, yes, like you could have easily survived on the yes. air that's in that room alone. Yes, easily. But again, yeah. if you like. Why would that room be pressurized? It doesn't make, like that's such a waste of resources. Well, maybe if they had to go in there, it wasn't pressurized. Wouldn't take 
enough time to do it. That, uh, that's all I can think of. Whatever. But it was um, like the, before there was any, just to be clear, before there was any issues on the ship at all, and we were just looking around the ship being introduced to everybody, it was pressurized then. Yeah. Because Zillian Murphy was there, like, doing his tests and shit, and it was yep. pressurized then. So it's not like something that happened later that they did. No, this is it's always that way. Yeah. So essentially, you know, the captain follows them. He's like trying to throw them off the edge of the cube. And because they're so close to the sun, like they rip his arm off or the skin off his arm. Yeah, they like so they glove his entire arm. Yes. yes, that was interesting shot. Yes. Um, they kind of fall off the side, which then gravity changes a little bit. And they're now on the top ish of it. Yep. Um, And they realize, yeah, we're, we're screwed. We're dead. No matter what we do, we have to get this off. So, yeah, they send off the payloads, you know. Right. And like yeah, time yeah. free and it ex- hits the sun, it explodes. And because they're so close and they're so close to the uh, the gravity, the, the gravity pull is so big, the time is completely like slow to a crawl. Mm-hmm. Where he's able to watch essentially the big solar flare part explosion reach him just slowly. He reprints stuff on his life. And then eventually he gets destroyed. The entire ship gets destroyed. Um, and then we go to Earth. We see, we're assuming his sister looking at the sun, and all of a sudden it gets brighter out. Right. That's how it ends, right? Yeah. And yeah, and she's like, they're playing in the snow in a place that was obviously warm before. Australia. Yeah. <laughs> they were That's in Australia. what it was. I was like, I, I knew there was something in the frame that said it was in a warm yes, place. Yes, it's, yeah. it's the Opera yes. House. Yeah, it's the, the Sydney, Sydney Opera House. The Sydney yeah. Opera House. Yeah, and there's like snow and like all the water's frozen. So yeah, that's like yep. the ocean. <laughs> yeah. How cold it has to be for the ocean to freeze. Uh pretty cold. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Alright. So obviously this is not the first time you've watched this movie. No. Not my first time either. I'm pretty sure I saw this in theaters because it was Boyle and Celine Murphy, right? I had to. Um yeah, I did not I did not see it in the theater. I don't know when the first time I saw it. I know it wasn't recently, but it wasn't when it came out. Yeah, this is 15 years ago at this point. Yeah, I, I want to say it was probably. I'm gonna. I'm gonna probably say it was like 10 ish years ago. So it was. It was years after it came out when I watched it. Um, but I, it, it came up. I think I was reading an article about something, and somebody mentioned it. And I'm like, what? You know, like like a space movie by Danny Boyle. I never heard of it. You know, so it was. Yeah, I, I watched it immediately at that point. Um, yeah, but yeah, but it, I did oh, not watch no. it when it came out. Like I said, first thoughts, it, like it was better than any other previous world ending thing, like you know Armageddon or the especially the core. Well, um, yeah, this was yeah, this uh, was a like a well done version of that. It was it's artsy ish. It's it has, it has the Danny Boyle camera shots. I feel yeah, no, it, it does. I mean, very it's, typical stuff. It's definitely it. a Danny Boyle movie. Yes, but it's it's done in a in my mind, a much better <laughs> way oh, than yeah. like Armageddon or deep impact or, you well, know, all those other like world ending movies that were around the same time. Period. And I would argue that this was a completely serious movie. Well, everything else, all the world ending stuff has so much comic relief. This really didn't have any. Right. It's like, this is like this, like I, it put you in that, like this is humanity's last chance and there's nothing funny about it. Well, yeah, I mean, like all his other movies don't really. <laughs> he doesn't right. really have comedy in, in his other movies that I know of either. So there was there's slight hints of comedy in Twenty Eight Days Later. I mean, not there's um, more comedy in that than there was in this. I would say, correct. Yeah, that's probably right. <laughs> um. So yeah, well, I mean, what was your first thought 
on seeing this? Um, I liked it a lot. I, at, at first, I didn't know what to think of it, you know, because it kind of takes a turn a couple times, you know. Yeah. Like it's, you know, you're first watching it and it's like your typical kind of like, you know, space movie. They're out to like, you know, complete a mission in space kind of thing, but things go wrong, you know. But yeah. Yeah, so you're talking like all the way up until like they're fixing this stuff on the, on the you know, the, the panels on the, the ship and the captain dies. That's like all normal part of a space kind of movie, right? Yeah. Uh, well, a typical space, I don't know if you call it adventure, but, you know, space drama, right? Whatever they call it. Yeah. Um, and then it really takes a turn when you find the other ship and you go on it and then it starts and then it becomes like a weird kind of like environmental horror, you know, when they're like mm-hmm. trying to figure out what the hell happened on that ship and what's going on and like all these people are dead. And then it like switches into a slasher for a bit yeah. because that guy's like hunting people around the ship. Yep. Um, yeah. And then it goes into like just kind of like, a, you know world end (laughs) or like a save the world but everybody dies type of kind of situation right that you're around a lot yeah yeah um rewatch wise though i'm trying to think if i've watched this since it came out before this well i've rewatched it a couple of times and every time i rewatch it I, i i appreciate the actors in the movie for other things that they have done like yes. I think when I originally watched it, I probably didn't know who most of these people were. And then I as, knew I knew Chris Evans, I knew Cillian Murphy, and that well, yeah, I knew Cillian Murphy. Yeah, I knew Cillian Murphy yeah. from like twenty days later. But like you watch it later on, and you're like, oh yeah, that's the girl from you know uh, X Men First Class, right? Or like, right. oh oh, it's Chris Evans. It's, you know, it's Captain America. You know, like as you go along, like Cliff Curtis, he's been in a bunch of stuff. Like he was in Walking yeah. Dead for a while, or Fear the Walking Dead for a while. You know, and just, Michelle Young, and right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, or Benedict Wong, you know, right? Yeah. I mean, like all of these people who are, they're all great. And then they're like, yes. but up, you know, the first time I watched it, I don't think I, you know, fully appreciated who they were and how good they were. And then seeing the things they've done since then, and then going back and seeing them, you know, in their earlier days was, it was, it's, it's really interesting. To you remember. realize how much of an ensemble cast it was right. without being an ensemble cast right. at that point in time. Right. Correct. Like he picked his people perfectly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, yeah, they're, like all of these people have gone on to bigger things. Well, I shouldn't say all, but but most, most, yeah. most. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I mean, I I think it's something I should rewatch more often. I just it's so good. I don't want to ruin it and get jaded with it like I did Pitch Black. Quite honestly, <laughs> I think it's like a once every five ish years type movie. Well, this one doesn't have a whole lot of like cheesy one liners no. and stuff to get yeah. to roll your eyes in the back of your head. To, but yeah. I can say watching it at night in a dark room really brightens the room. Well, yeah, you got to, there's got to be enough time between watchings to where you don't remember everything that's going to happen. Yeah. You have to forget parts of it so that you're like, oh, yeah, forget yeah. about that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's get into our, 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 do you think you should rewatch this more? I mean, um, again, I, I really like it, but I think it, I think this was like the perfect time to rewatch it, like once a decade. Yeah. So watch it so that you don't remember everything that happens and like some of these things are interesting. Like, you know, you don't remember that the the plants explode. I mean, you know, I mean just stuff like that. Right. You, don't, you, don't, you don't remember because you don't have to remember. So yeah. It's, yeah, I mean give it enough time to you forget some of this stuff, but yeah, it's great. Yeah. All right. So highlights for me, we discussed this the cast, the acting, other than Celia Murphy. Celia Murphy was kind of weird ish. He fell down a lot um and his stuff, but Overall, I think I, I think it portrayed like a good kind of almost slow descent into madness that they were hinting at. Um, 
and realistically, like, you know, I, I think it's a good portrayal of doing what's best. It's usually the other way around, I think, in these missions. Like, oh, we have to go back to save these people regardless of anything else. This is more of a, a opposite stance of, like, the mission comes first. Right. And I, I like that. It was more of a, probably a realistic filming and ideas that probably would happen. You you would hope that people would do the greater good, even though it sucks, you know, for everyone else. But you know, what I mean, yeah, that's fair. How about highlights for you? Um, highlight for me is I I really like the um the the psych guy like in his slow descent into madness. Worshipping the sun. Um, yeah, yeah. worshipping the sun. I mean, yeah, like they, you know, at first he's just like looking at the sun, like, oh, you know, how much is this? Oh, that's great. Like, how high can we go? Oh, you know, we go 3.1% for 30 seconds. Okay, great. Do that. And he's like, oh, wow, this is great. And he's telling everybody how great it is. And everybody's just like, oh, you're kind of weird. But that's it, right? But then, like, he's, he progresses into like he's wearing welding goggles. Yeah. And like the thing is like super bright to the point where he's getting like second degree sunburn on his face because he, he yeah. can't stop watching it. And he like cuts off all of his hair so that he can appreciate the sun more. And, like, yep. this weird, I mean, this weird stuff. And, you know, and like when the captain is dying, right? What is he saying the whole time? What do you see? What do you see? Tell me what you see. <laughs> Tell me what it's like. Like he wants to know what it's like because like he wants to be there. He wants to like right. become the sun or whatever, whatever it is. I mean, it is you know the interesting part of it that he just kind of sacrifices himself and stays back on that ship. Um, so like obviously it didn't like you know kill his you know ability like quite how like you know the other crew or at least that captain you know became like obsessed with the sun, but he also decided to murder everybody. So he kind of feel, did the opposite. So where like he didn't murder everybody, he saved everybody using. But his you feel magic. like he was going. But you feel like he was going down that same path, though. There's hinted at that's kind of what. Uh, obviously, well, if he, he was continue, going if into he can, a similar path, right? Like the sun was definitely affecting his mind, but yeah. it was affecting him in a slightly different way. He was being obsessed with the sun, but instead of being obsessed to the point where like, oh, I will kill people for the sun, he's like, I will save everybody for the sun. Do you think he'd have gotten that point if he kept it up to the point he's as badly burnt as the other captain? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it maybe, but I don't. I don't think he would have necessarily hurt other people in the process of. Yeah, he seemed more of a pacifist. Well, he also seemed like he was genuinely trying to help people. You know, I mean, he was the yeah. psych dude, so he even when he had his sunburn on his face, he was still genuinely trying to help people. Yeah. So I I think that the the captain probably was going down a you know he was probably at that point he was probably starting to be a lot colder. And probably right. you, know, you know going into like religious sermons about should we even be doing this? Should we let God kill us anyway? And people are like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I think that yeah, that it's the same you know kind of like the sun affecting your mind. But I think they went down two different forks in that road. That's fair. Um, but yeah, but ultimately, yeah, he he kills himself by you know just getting the full blast of the sun and just right. burning up. Yeah. But I th- I thought that was a really cool. Yeah. Um, low point for me is they didn't utilize Mark Strong well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the barely. They barely used you, you know, like I had to look it up. I'm like, you have no idea that's Mark Strong. Well, I know his like, voice. Z- I can I can I'm, literally hear Mark Strong's voice and know it's him. But I mean, for most people, though. Oh yeah, no, I, I mean, I know fair. Mark Strong and things, but like overall, like I, I'm like, I know it's somebody. Like who is I was Mark Strong? I'm like oh, because it's so 
and his the glitchiness to him was off putting. I didn't <laughs> like that part. It was almost like the glitch from that VHS short with the in the woods. Like you couldn't stare at it, and I guess that's kind of the point is you couldn't stare at it. But that I think it that would overboard on the effects where you couldn't even see him. Now they probably did that to get the rating they got instead of seeing this horribly burnt up guy that. Surprisingly, yeah. still had eyeballs. I mean, I like that though. I mean, because in some movies, they're just like you know, when the monster appears, they just like show the monster in full view. Yeah, and I think it takes a lot, a lot away from the movie. Um, yeah, like you know, in the original Alien, they originally had a scene in the movie where you see the full Alien. Yeah, like he like slowly drops from the ceiling, like fully stands up, and then like walks. Like, and again, they cut it out of the movie because they felt it like it really took away from a lot of that fear because then you saw exactly what it looked like and it wasn't just like flashes you know fear of the unknown right yeah. right so obviously you get to see it at the end but by that point you know <laughs> yeah. most of the thrill is, is over well yeah yeah well the the horror aspects are right. just survival at that right, point right um so yeah well, low the, points yeah go ahead i'll say well you know continue your thought then go into your low points um yeah no I just um okay my low point uh, for this movie is going to be um, just the that gigantic stadium sized payload air bubble, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, there was like there's so much air in there. I mean, that air could have kept them going all the way to the sun and back, probably. I mean, there was a gigantic space of air there. Oh, easily. Um, and they, they just kept saying like, "Oh, yeah, we don't have enough air. We don't have enough air." But then you like they walk in the payload, and still at the end of the movie. They're walking in the payload, and there's just like so far the distance is like black, like you can't even see the wall. Yeah, it's like that's how huge this place is, and it's all pressurized. Yep. I, I don't know why you would ever do that, but that to me is a just a giant plot hole. Like, why didn't everybody just go stay in the payload room? Yeah, or, I mean, it make more it sense, out, right? Yeah, it make more sense if they had to wear spacesuits to go out and do it, right? Yeah, I was just kind of like shocked that he didn't. And there's the couple of times that were in there. Like I said, even before the issue happened, he was still there. He was still in there, like, you know, doing tests and stuff like nothing was wrong. Looking far off into the horizon distance with no walls in sight and it's all pressurized <laughs> with air. Right. That's fair. All right. So on this on our scale for sealed doors out of 10. You know, I've been thinking about this while we're discussing it. Um, I think it's a solid, solid eight and a half for me. I like Event Horizon more, but this is still a pretty damn good movie. Yeah, I I hear that. How about you? Um, I will give it uh, an eight. An eight, eight, eight sealed doors out of ten. All right, all right. Why don't you bring us home with our last one? Uh, Pandorum. Pandorum, yes. Uh, okay. So this movie um opens up with a little kind of uh vignette where they show like um you know kind of like. What, what, what like where the planet's at at like certain points in history, you know, like they show yeah. like, uh, we were like, oh, 1969, you know, first man lands on the moon, and it was like something like did four million, four billion people on Earth, whatever. Yeah. Um. So they start going into the future, and they start showing like, you know, oh yeah, we first, you know, 
outposts on Mars, you know, Earth population like 25 billion. Yes. Um, so they're showing that like, you know, population is out of control. And basically they still show that like the huge war breaks out um, to fight over the last resources on Earth because they haven't found another place to colonize and live um, at this point. So they're all fighting over whatever's left on Earth. So they do find a planet um, way far out, who knows how far, um, to, uh, to that they can colonize. It's a planet that they've sent probes to. The probes have verified that there's life, that it's livable, air is breathable, all that good stuff. Um, so they basically build a generational ship um, to get humanity there. Right, because it's going to take a very long time. Right, right, yeah. So it's going to take them whatever. I mean, they don't specifically say how long it's going to take, but we're guessing hundreds of years, right? Well, they said, I think they said it's supposed to be a 123-year trip. Okay, well, that makes sense. So, yeah. Three generations, let's say. Right, right. Um, So, yeah, so there's supposed to be this giant ship called Elysium, um, and it's it's going to take, you know, humanity. I think they said it's like 60,000 people. Um, on right. board, they're basically going to take them to this new place, this new planet called Tannis, uh, and this new yes. planet is going to be their new colony. So there's everything on the ship that they need. Uh, there's all the people, all the equipment. You know, they have like, uh, you know, all the animals and, and genetic material from all the places on Earth. Blah blah blah. All yeah, they stuff. call it like they call that like the Ark. Right. Yeah. So they're basically yeah. all this stuff to basically you know kickstart Re- humanity. Yeah, yeah. Restart you know all of Earth's wonders on this new planet. Um, yep. so, okay. So then they, they do that and then they show like a little kind of, um, you know, thing where they show on the bridge where there's like the three kind of flight officer people. Um, yeah. and then they get a message from earth, which basically translates, um, you know, you're all that's left of us, Yep. you know, you know, Godspeed and God bless. And that's it. And basically, you know, showing that earth is gone and they're the only humans left. Correct. And then it just kind of cuts out. Um, to the credits, <laughs> um, you know, the opening credits, and then it switches to um, a guy that's waking up from like cryo sleep. Yep. Um, and the guy is, you know, he's kind of trapped and flapping around in there, and eventually, you know, unlocks himself and opens and and gets out. Um, and he's got like, um, you know, hypersleep sickness, right? Yeah. Um, to where he can't remember a whole lot. He can remember some things, can't remember the things at all. Like, you know, he finds out his name because it's written on the tank. Um, you know, yeah. He's trying to remember what's going on or what's happening. Um, and he looks around him um, and there's like, obviously things, you know, wrong with the ship. There's like these weird power surges. Um, you know, he kind of gets dressed and, and shaves and gets <laughs> ready and everything. Um, sees a picture of this woman who he's not sure who she is. Um, but he knows that he feels something towards her in his loins. Right. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. obviously. Um, so he's trying to figure out what's going on. He can't open the doors out of this room um, to the bridge. Right. right. Yeah. To the bridge. It's supposed to lead to the bridge. The door won't open. They can't get out. Um, so he looks around like there's two other pods in the room. Uh, one pod is empty and the other pod has another guy inside of it. So he's like, he's trying to like open the pod by beating on it. And of course that does not work. <laughs> Um, so there's another, I hope not. All right. there's another, there's another power surge and then that one opens up and out flops, uh, Dennis Quaid. Yes. Um, and he is a, obviously an older guy. Um, he outranks him cause he's a Lieutenant and the other guy is, is a, um, a corporal Yeah, corporal Bauer is the other guy. Um, so basically they're trying to like, remember, um, you know, 
who they are, why they're there, you know, what's going on. Um, and they basically kind of piece together that, you know, they're on that ship. Um, they're both on the flight team and, uh, you know, they're both on flight team five. And right. if it's their rotation, the door should have opened. And the other team, team four, who was on before them, relieve them. was or supposed should, to relieve them. Yeah. Right. Or they, they relieve the flight team four. Yeah. Right. But they should have woken them up. Right. They should have woken them up. They sh- yeah. They should have been there. And their, and their, their terms, I think they said are two years. So yeah. they're like flying the ship for two years and then they cycle in and out. Um, they don't exactly say how many flight teams there are, but there's at least six. Yeah. Because they, we do find someone else who has correct flight team six, but that's it. So we don't know if there's more. There might be. Who knows? Um, so essentially, they're trying to find a way out of the room. They can't, you know, pry the door open. They see that other somebody else had tried to pry it open previously. There's a lot of pry marks and tools and stuff that were there. Um, they kind of assume it's this last guy, this other guy that is not in his pod anymore. Um, right. So they kind of make the decision. You know, they get this like. Um, workstation powered up because it's got like a like a hand crank generator um, took very quickly to get to 100 percent. yep this is the future man this is the future man come on right yeah it's a future technology <laughs> um so yeah they they power it up and they kind of decide that he can like uh lead uh him through you know the kind of maintenance shafts and ventilation ducts and stuff to uh somewhere else on the ship so they can get a better idea of what's going on right because they, yeah. they know, because the guy, like, he knows a lot about this reactor, but he doesn't know much of anything else. So they figure out that he's obviously they're like their ship's engineer um, yeah. because he knows everything about this reactor. So they, he knows there's a problem with the reactor. He knows he has to get to the reactor. So he's like, okay, we'll figure out a way out of here. They're trying to get to the bridge as he's trying to climb through maintenance shafts to get to the bridge. Um, and he's climbing through, you know, kind of cables and ventilation shafts. Um, kind of gets turned around and then he gets stuck. Um, and then he kind of falls and slides because he realizes he's on an incline. Um, and he falls and he slides down and he kind of smacks his face against the grate. And then he sees the other guy dead. And obviously in the same dead. position. Yeah, in the same position, stuck hanging there with his face against the grate. Uh, but he'd obviously been there for a very long time. He's like essentially skeletal remains. Yes. Um, so yeah, who knows how long he's been there, but he's been there for a long time. He looks at his shirt and he sees his, the name. He verifies this is the third guy that was in the other pod. Um, so yeah, so this is where that guy ended up. So he ends up um, being able to get out of the, the, he opens up the grate and he falls down and now he's in like some kind of uh, like storage room. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he talks to um, the, the lieutenant, you know, he says, yeah, okay, I got through. I'm in some kind of storage room. I don't know where I am. And so he's trying to like route him another direction in. Uh, and then he goes out in the hallway um, and he sees like a figure run by. And so he kind of runs, you know, chasing this figure like, you know, hey, or no, when he comes out, she's trying to open up a door. Yes. Because uh, it's obviously a woman. Uh, I said she uh, So as a woman. She's trying to probably open a door. Once he sees her, she takes off. Um, he's chasing her and he's like, oh, I don't care if you're trying to steal anything. I just want to know what's going on in the ship. You know, just obviously. Stuff isn't working right. Um, so she runs around a couple corners. He chases her um, and he sees her standing at the end of the hallway. And he's like, okay, well, you know, what's going on? You know, you need to talk to me. And she's, you know, not answering, not saying anything, you know, kind of, you know, hidden in shadows. And as he's getting closer, he realizes it's not her. It's somebody else. And this somebody else is like hanging from the ceiling and like some kind of like snare trap. 
Yeah. And this guy is like, it's been gutted. Like, you know, his, his guts are like hanging out and he's been dead for a while. Not, yeah. not skeletal remains a while, but I mean, he's, he's obviously pale. He's been dead probably a couple days at least. Right. Um, so, you know, he's like trying to figure out what's going on here. Um, and then he sees lights coming from the end of the hallway. Um, and so he's kind of moving away from the lights and he ends up seeing, uh, the woman again, they have like a quick little fight. Um, and you know, or no, that's, that, that's when they see the light, they have the quick little fight. And then once the light happens, she disappears. Um, and then he moves towards the light and he sees like, well, essentially like monsters. Oh yeah. Very creatures. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. They're like, they, they have like cutting torch spears. Um, and they're obviously like, I mean, they're humanoid, but they're like messed up looking. They They look like, you know, Mad Max type <laughs> Raider people, right? Yeah. But like alien versions of Mad Max Raider people with, with cutting torch spears. Um, so he kind of realizes immediately that they mean to do him harm. Um, so he's like running and trying to get away. Um, and he manages to hide and, and kind of get away from him for a little bit. Um, and then he goes back out to the, a different hallway and he walks down and he sees again another person hanging from a snare trap um in the in the ceiling um you know so he's like i think i'm having deja vu i think i've seen this before but he gets closer and he realizes no this is a this is a different guy you know this guy isn't gutted um and he and he frees him and the, and the guy's like freaking out um and he realizes this guy is from another flight team he escaped to here too he doesn't know what's going on at all he just knows that you need to stay away from those monsters from um, them yes and this is a a baby norman reedus <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, this is. I don't remember seeing him in anything before this. I'm sure he was, but I, right. I don't recall him in anything else. Yeah. Either. So I, I I didn't know who Norman Reedus was the first time I watched this, but I mean, obviously, I know who he is now. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So he uh kind of runs, and he's like, you know, you need to get away. So he's like, he runs with them. They're you know getting chased again. Um. Norman Reedus like tries to duck and hide under like a, a platform type thing. Um. You know, Bauer tries to hide again, and he sees the the monsters drag him out and kill him. Um, then he goes to shoot one of them that's looking at him, and he realizes that um, that there's a big piece of glass between them, so he can't he can't shoot him. Like that, so yeah, they he had like a riot gun thing. It's like a non lethal gun that is on his hand, right? But it's a, a what a energized right? Gun. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah energy based energy, yeah. energy yeah. based non lethal gun. Um, yeah, so he tries to shoot him, but you know realizes the glass is there. He can't get him, so he's basically he runs and he tries to get away. <clears throat> um, yeah, and at this point, you know, kind of realizes that you know, bad things are happening. He, he crosses paths with um, another guy, and this guy doesn't speak English, unfortunately. Um, and he's, uh, uh, I don't know, I mean, it, it looks like a ninja. He's got like a long spear. Oh, he's- He's full Mad Max. Right, yeah. He's like got a long spear. <laughs> he's got like a sword. And like the spear is obviously made from like ship parts. You know, I mean, it's right. whatever. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, it looks like he's all grizzled and scarred. Looks like he's been around a while. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, basically the only thing they can figure out is that this guy was was part of agriculture. Um. So he wasn't part of the flight team at all. And so he's like he, wondering how, why this guy is awake. Because a flight team makes sense because, again, they're supposed to be flying the ship. Why this, Everyone else is supposed to be asleep. Right. Yeah. Everyone else is supposed to be asleep. Why this agriculture guy is out. It obviously looks like he's been out for a while. So at this yeah. point, he's like, okay, this is, you know, something weird's going on here. So anyway, they're, they're running and, and getting away from 
um, the monsters and stuff. Um, and eventually they meet up with the woman again. Um, this time, you know, they have another fight um, where this time she's fighting the ninja dude. Yes. Um, and they kind of like fight each other to a standstill. And he like, you know, shoots up in the air and basically gets them to stop. Like, hey, we're all on the same side. Let's like, let's stop this. We're all people. Right. Yeah. So we're <laughs> talking. Um, and this, the new, uh, the woman does speak English. Um, so they're able to talk. Um, she leads them to this like hidden kind of alcove that she has, like her hidden, you know, sanctuary. Um, they had to wait for a power surge to use like a hand scanner to open the door. But once they got the door open, they were able to lock in and, and safely get away yep. from the monsters. Um, and so that's when we go into the arc. Um, and the arc has its own like generator. Um, so it has power and everything. Um, and she basically essentially shows them this is all the arc, you know, like, like 30% of the stuff in here has, has died and, and left yeah. because we can't maintain it. Um, but the majority of the stuff is still there. You know, she's got like some grasshoppers for food and, yeah. uh, and other, and other, the stuff in there. But basically she's saying she's been around for months. Um, right. she doesn't know what's going on either. She doesn't know why they're woken up, but when she woke up, she had her whole team with her. And when one by one, they all died and she's the only one left. Um, they were all hunted by those things. Yeah. So they eventually figured out, okay, well, I have to get to the, the reactor because whatever else is going on, this reactor is going to blow up. Right. So I have to get to the reactor. You need to, to help me get there. So they're, you know, they decide to, to keep moving through the ship to try to get to the reactor. Um, they end up going through like another area where it's like a bunch of pods for all these people, you know, that are being kept in cryosleep or, or stored. Um, and you see like a lot of them are empty. You know, a lot of them look like they've been broken open. You know, a lot of them open, look like they're just there. There are some people still in them, but probably the majority of them are empty. Right. Um, and they're basically saying that this is their hunting ground. Like this is where those, those, you know, creatures come to hunt. You know, they wait for people to wake up. And then they eat them. <laughs> right. They wait for the power surge to open right. it up. Yeah. And then they eat them. Um, so essentially, yeah, they're in there. Um, uh, you know, the, the creatures end up showing up. There's like, you know, standoffs. They're fighting one. I think they end up killing one, but then there's a whole bunch more. Um, right. Very, very similar. Like, oh, we took a team of us to defeat one. They look over their shoulder and there's rest. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's like fights. They end up like hiding in like their little poop hole thing yeah. for a while um and then they, you know they end up fighting their way out of there and they get into um you know like kind of a, a place where they can you know close the door behind them and lock themselves in and they're in kind of like a, a cylinder area um yeah it looks like a silo almost. right yeah and they realize that there's another guy in there with them um you know, he speaks English, but he's obviously a little like unhinged or something. Um, <laughs> Just a tad. Right. Yeah. So they're like, they're all kind of trapped in, um, you know, the bottom part of the silo. There's no way up to the edge. The other guy is standing on like a catwalk that surrounds right. it. Um, so, you know, he's like, you know, trying to like be friends with them. He's like, you know, trying to give them like some food that he made out of like, like, I'm a cook. motor oil. Yeah. yeah. He's like motor oil base for food. I don't know how you can eat that, but whatever. Um, so yeah, he's kind of talking to him, and as they're talking, you know, realizes this guy's been awake for a long time. Like he doesn't he even doesn't know, know how, how long, yeah. but he knows a long time, and he knows what's happened on the ship. And so, like, you know, they they kind of ask him, and he kind of goes over the narrative of like, yeah, the guy, you know, the the flight team that was on the deck when when Earth, you know, basically showed that it was destroyed. Um, like one guy went crazy and killed the other two. 
Pandorum. Um, right. Yeah. Pandorum is the sickness that you get from space. It's basically space madness. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so he got space madness because, you know, the stress from Earth being destroyed was just enough to put him over the edge. And he killed the other two flight officers um, and then essentially made himself the king of the ship. Um, right. And he started, like, waking people up and, like, you know, I guess essentially, like, controlling them or forcing them to, like, you know, worship him as a god almost. It seems like that's what it was, right? Yeah, he um, had all this painted on the walls with a sign. Right. So, yeah, and then it was like, you know, after a while, like, people didn't agree with what he was doing. So, he essentially, like, banished him to, like, the bowels of the ship and wouldn't let him up to different areas. Um, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's all kinds of weird stuff going on. Eventually, the guy got tired of being the king, and then he went back to sleep. Yes. And after he went back to sleep, the ship just, like, kept going. So, you know, there's some people that were banished, some people that were, you know, hidden. Um, you know, blah, 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 whatever. And at this point, they all pass out because they realize they're being drugged or gassed. Gassed, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so they wake up and they're now hanging upside down. And the crazy cook guy is, you know, essentially, you know, ready to cook them. He lured them in, essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, the the one, um, the, the woman, Nadia is her name. She starts talking, you know, uh, uh, back to him. He doesn't like that, so he stabs her. Yep. Um, but the uh, the other uh, Bauer ends up convincing him, like, "Hey, you, you've seen all these power surges and stuff. Like, this means that means the reactor is going to go critical." And he's like, "Well, like, when? How long?" He's like, "I don't know, an hour." <laughs> um, yeah. You know, so he's like, "You know, things are going to go very badly." You're a survivalist. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. If so you like, don't let me do this, you're going to die. Yeah. So like, you can kill us, but you know, you're not even going to have enough time to cook us by the time this ship blows up. Right. Um, so he, he goes, okay. So they convince him to help. I mean, obviously he's like very wary about them, which to be fair, they right. should be wary of each other. Um, and then they go off uh, to go look at the reactor. And at this point, he he is able to contact his uh, his um, lieutenant, but that's based on because I think that the cook guy had a radio of some kind. Um, so he's finally able to to contact his yeah. lieutenant again. So he he talks to him, um, and he ends up you know telling them how to get to the reactor from where they are. Because they're yep. like he's apparently on the other side of the ship from when he talked to him last. So um, how'd you get there? Right. Yeah. And so they decide to to get on there. Um. And then when after that, then the lieutenant it finds a essentially you know keeps hearing noises and stuff of things you know moving around and he can't right. find it. And um, then eventually, like a, a a young guy comes like falling out of like the the wires and hole in the ceiling. Yeah, very very greasy man. Yeah, yeah, he's very greasy <laughs> and very naked. Yeah. Um, and so he, he pulls him out, and the guy's like, you know, he doesn't realize, you know, he doesn't remember what's going on either. Um, you know, he just knows he needs help. Um, so it's like, right. yeah, again, he like, you know, he kind of helps him clean himself off and like, you know, um, yeah, I guess like steady himself a little bit. Um, but they like they don't trust each other at all. I mean, and, and it's because yeah. the one guy seems very unstable. Um, and the lieutenant is like, seems like he's like, I don't know, he's starting to like get shaky and, and weird and like, you know, not himself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're kind of, they kind of go back and forth. Um, you know, he's talking, the, the younger guy is talking about how, um, you know, he doesn't think they should be messing with stuff. You know, they should just let it alone. Um, you know, you shouldn't be you know, meddling and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And again, you know, they're, they're all kind of being weirdly standoffish. Um, 
So, you know, like one, you know, the one guy has always got his hand on his weapon when he's around, <laughs> you know, yeah. like he ends up finding like a sedative, you know, like a, a gun, you know, with like he's going to use on him. And, you know, they end up, he ends up catching him anyway. It's like a weird, weird standoff or situation between uh, the lieutenant and this younger guy. Um, so they end up, um, the other, the other team of people, Bauer and Nadia and the ninja dude and the cook guy, okay. I'll, uh, make it to the reactor. Um, but of course there's like a rickety bridge leading over to the reactor. Um, they try to step on the rickety bridge. Of course, the rickety bridge collapses. Um, well, I should say one side of it collapses. Uh, ninja guy is holding on to the bridge. Like- 20 minutes yeah, for like the entire rest <laughs> of the movie. Essentially he's holding onto this bridge. Um, the, the, the engineer guy falls, all he the, falls a lot yeah, in fairness, almost all the way down to the bottom of this reactor. Um, the, the woman manages to run right across. So she is now waiting at the, you know, the, the, the essentially the console that's going to fix the, the reactor and the cook yeah. guy just kind of stands. there. He doesn't really do it. Um, yep. so, Essentially, this is uh, the reactor is where all of these creatures like nest. Yeah. So all the creatures are like all like cuddling each other down in the bowels of the reactor. Um, and they're all like sleeping and they're all like cuddling at each other. So, um, Bauer decides that the only way he's going to get through it is, is, you know, to kind of walk through it. So he like picks up all these like skins, like these yeah. weird bloody skins, and, like wraps himself in it to kind of disguise himself. And he's like crawling over them to get to this like ladder that leads up to the, to, to the reactor. So he ends up doing that. He had, you know, tension as he's you know crawling over and one of them wakes up, of course. Um, right. And so yeah, he gets up to the, to the reactor. Um, he ends up putting everything in uh, the reactor is saved and reset. Um, all the lights and everything come back on. Um, and of course, at that point, all of the, um, Creatures are like trying to yeah. come at them, but they end up getting well. A lot of them end up getting destroyed in the discharge from the reactor, uh, but yes. there's still enough of them left to chase them. So they all, the ninja guy can finally let go of the bridge, um, and they all run back. They're all running back to the bridge. Um, of course, the uh, and this is it's kind of funny how fast they get to the bridge, like how long oh, yeah. how long it took them to get down to the reactor and how fast they get back to the bridge which is supposed uh, to be on the other end of the I'd ship. I'd say about an hour and 20 minutes right. to get to the reactor and, and like, like 20 minutes to get back. <laughs> I don't even know if it was that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, the, so the cook dude um, he ends up running way ahead of them because you know he, he left before they were even done with the reactor. Once he realized yeah. that the reactor was good, he took off. and He's running towards the bridge. Um, so he's running towards the bridge. Um, Ninja guy ends up um, Doing a last stand type thing to make sure that they With can, the leader. Yeah, to, yeah, so they can escape. So Nadia and Bauer can escape, um, and he does get killed, but he ends up killing the leader at the same time. Uh, and then he ends up getting killed by one of their children that he refuses to kill. Right, that he refused to kill because it was a child, but then it was a, it's a murder yeah. child. Um. So yeah. So uh, Cook guy ends up getting to the bridge, and at this point, um, you know, the lieutenant and the young guy are like fighting each other for control of the bridge the yeah well yeah the sedative yeah. because the bridge you know all the lights and everything come back on at this point they realize they can get back into the bridge so now they're like fighting each other because you know they don't both of them don't want to let the other one control you know the bridge well, and the also computer. yeah the young guy doesn't also like you don't want to go in there right right 
you don't want to go in there. Yeah, there's a whole lot going on, and there's a whole lot that we yeah. don't understand at this point. Yes. Um, but as they're, like, wrestling each other, um, they end up merging into each other. Uh, so it turns out that um, the lieutenant wasn't the lieutenant. He was um, this, the, the guy who actually got the Pandorum and killed the other yep. flight officers. This was the guy that was acting like the king that put himself to sleep. Um, right. And so now, yeah, he has his full memory comes back because he merged with his younger self. Um, yep. And so, so he goes into into the bridge. And so that's this is when um, the, the cook guy comes running in. He stabs him in the eyeball with, uh, with, the, sedative. with the sedative gun. And then, yeah, he yeah. just dies. Um, yep. And so then Bauer and Nadia get there. And Bauer has remembered enough at this point to remember that that's not the lieutenant. Like, that's not him. He knew it wasn't him. Um, yeah, so yes. they get there and they're ready for a confrontation. Um, and as they get into the bridge, like Bauer starts, like essentially, I guess, suffering from Pandorum at this time. Yep. Because he starts getting like really twitchy and like really like, you know, he starts like seeing things and hallucinating and he's like focusing on other stuff. So like, yeah, the lieutenant guy is like, you know, strangling Nadia and he's like worried about the the creatures coming in through a ventilation shaft. Um and anyway, so that works out. He ends up shooting what he thinks is a creature, and he ends up shooting the ventilation shaft, uh, which causes a piece of metal to flip off and then hit the glass of the bridge. Right. Well, um, we, we we realized that the, what really drove him into the Pandorum is they open up the the bridge windshield, essentially, and it's just dark. Yeah. There's just darkness. Right. Yeah, there's They're no like, stars. They're expecting to see the stars. stars. Right. Yeah. And like, it's just Where black. are we? Right. Yeah. It's yeah. just pure black. Um, yep. And yeah, so they go through the after after he shoots that thing and it, um, you know, hits the glass, he ends up like breaking out of his Pandora. Like he goes back to normal at that point. And then this is the point where um, uh, the lieutenant starts like, you know, actually telling them what for real was happening. Yes. And he says that like, yeah, like we, yeah, we got here a long time ago. Like we crash landed on the planet a long like- time ago. 800 years right yeah they show like mission length and it's like 983 years Uh, and at that point they look out and they see like kind of like a phosphorescent like manta ray shark looking thing yeah Uh, they realize that it's black because they're at the bottom of an ocean on the new planet and they have been for hundreds of years like the ship has been there for that long um so yeah so basically um at this point they have another little scuffle um the uh the glass breaks essentially water is coming through. So they run. Um, yeah. The Lieutenant just kind of like tucks his head under and just like lets the water take him. Yeah. Um, and then Bauer and Nadia jump in his old um, tank, his old, like, you know, cryo tank. And they initiate like a, like an ejection right. sequence. Well, because we find out earlier when initially uh, Dennis Quaid's character traps a young guy in there, he's like, "Okay, you gotta eject me. I want out of here." Right. And he did like a simulation, right? Ejection, launch simulation, right? Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah. So yeah. They end up launching out. You know, there's a thing where that like it's filling up with water, and they think they're gonna drown, but then they they go to the top of the ocean, and the you know they realize that they're okay, and then the ship ends up ejecting all the rest of the pods that are still active. And I think Which there is was like, like twelve hundred. Yeah, it was like twelve hundred out of the sixty thousand. There's only yeah, twelve hundred people alive. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So then it like and then they show like the you know Tannis year one population one thousand two hundred thirteen. Yep. 
Um, you know, insinuating that humanity now has a new home. Right. Which we didn't discuss is these creatures were people that they were mutated because the ship was pumping them and evolving their bodies to be able to survive on Tannis. Right. Well, it was was just supposed to kickstart their adaptability or whatever. And for some reason, the mutants that were people adapted to the ship instead. Right. uh, Instead of adapting to Tannis. So coupled with that, you know, forced evolution and being in the reactor, it just made them go like evolutionary wise thousands of years or hundreds of thousands of years into this cannibalistic mutant society that we see. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, what was the only food source they had available to them was other people. People. Yeah. Right. So they evolved to hunt and eat other people. Yeah. So. Uh, what were your, I mean, I don't know when you saw this, what, what, did you, what was your first thought when you saw this? Did you see it when it came out? Or um, this another I did. Article? I actually, this one I saw in the theater. Okay. Uh, this one I saw in the theater. This was the time period where I was watching a lot of movies. In the um, the day that I saw this movie in the theater was actually the day that I set my record for watching movies in a theater. Um, oh, that wow. was, that was, um, in one day I watched six movies in a row. In, in wow. the movie. Um, and it's, you have to work it, you know, cause you have to like get the times and like, you know, when you can get out and when you can go to the new movie and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So I, I don't remember all the rest of the movies I watched that day, but this was one of six <laughs> that I watched yeah. this day. And this was, um, I believe this was the second movie of the day that I watched, but by far the best one. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was, it was, it was a, it was a great movie. It was it was a fantastic movie. My main my mind was not quite mush yet because I mean after you watch so many movies in a row, uh, especially right. in a theater environment, yeah, your brain turns into mush a little bit. But um, yeah, no, this was by far the best movie I watched that day, and I've I've loved it ever since. Yeah, I I definitely saw this in theaters with the now wife, um, just because of what it, we were like the trailers, and I'm like, this seems like a new event horizon. Like, we have to see this. <laughs> Not disappointed. I'm I'm happy I saw it in the theaters. I it, yeah, my first thought was like this is a good descent into madness, space madness, psychological and horror, almost time machine ish with the mutants and you know, instead of Morlocks and all that stuff. Right. It had every element of good horror and good sci fi. Yeah. Um Rewatch wise, uh, this came out what two thousand nine, so thirteen years ago. This is probably only the fourth time I've watched this movie. Uh, How about you? Uh, probably seen it around the number of like ten times. I've probably seen it like ten times. Ten times. And I don't. I don't think it gets any worse on the rewatch. No, no. I mean, obviously, when you know when you rewatch things, don't watch them too close together because then you remember everything that happens. As long as there's right. little surprises here and there, yeah, it's definitely worth it. I, I would say on the on this rewatch, I was surprised how much damage Bauer was able to take because he fell a lot on the heavy <laughs> metal things. A lot. Well, we don't know it was full Earth gravity in there either. That's true. It sounded like it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it didn't sound pleasant. That's very true. But we don't know exactly how much gravity it was. So maybe it maybe it just sounded worse than it was. He took a hell of a lot of punishment, I feel. Yes. Yes, he did. Um. So what, what are your highlights of this movie? 
being the you know sci-fi heavy and horror heavy um I, again i mean i think the um like the creature effects in this are phenomenal mm-hmm. um i mean just the atmosphere of the ship is is phenomenal you know it's it's again it's just like event horizon where it's like it's very very dark and yes. there's so very few like space movies where things are so dark you know they're usually like very light um yeah, you know, I mean, just most you know astronaut type movies in space. There's always like pure whiteness everywhere, and this is just very yes. dark. Again, I think it really is like a spiritual successor to Event Horizon in a lot of ways. I I honestly thought this would have been a successor. To, I, like legit going into it, I, I was thinking while watching the first time, is this the sequel to Event Horizon? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it really feels like it. Again. It's definitely a spiritual successor to it. I mean, it oh, yeah. definitely it follows very similar themes. Um, and yes. like I said, I, I made sure I watched them like back to back. Um, and they really <laughs> do. They really do. I mean, they hold up. I mean, they're, they really yeah. have a lot of, of you know things in common. And it's, that's, that's a great thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say overall, just the, the atmosphere and effects um, and just even backstory of this is just great. Right. It's just, yeah, it's just a great all around setup. And kind of yeah. world. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. That we they just got the atmosphere. You know, we get the dirt. We, we felt. I felt like I was encased in oil and blood and grease and all that stuff while watching it, just because everything's dirty, nothing's clean, like pristine in Star Trek and Star Wars. We, we don't see that griminess. You know, obviously we do in like the Expanse and stuff like that. You right. feel that grime. Um, no, but yeah, definitely. I I don't I don't think that Bauer is necessarily that guy's a good actor, nor do I think Dennis Quaid's necessarily a good actor. What? <laughs> right. Uh but yeah, I mean it was a good twist that you really didn't see coming. No. No, that was there was I mean obviously you knew there was more to it, like especially when you're finding yeah. out that like people have been awake for months <laughs> you know yeah. so obviously there's there's a lot of like yeah there's a lot more to it but you don't expect that level of, of twist yeah right? yeah and then and the twist that hit that they only eight years went by from when they launched and they were like yep we're dead and like one day they're there the next day like what they said 40 billion or 60 billion people just gone right they're, everyone's gone right that's cool <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean that definitely the atmosphere. Like the, in in space, you have to get the atmosphere. You really do. I think it nailed it perfectly. Yeah. No. I mean, yeah, it, it definitely set out to do it. I'm, I'm I'm kind of disappointed there hasn't been any kind of. Well, I guess I guess if they had they a, talked about it. Yeah, but they I guess if they had a sequel, it. it really wouldn't. I mean, it, you know, where are you going to do it on the planet? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, unless you had a, another ship. Well, they talked about I thought another ship that a trial run that everyone got like, didn't they say everyone got, um, discharged at the same time. I thought there was this movie where they said there was another ship and Pandorum got to him and the guy just fired everyone into space that was on the ship. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't think they said what their (laughs) mission was. They said it was, that was the biggest space disaster ever, but they didn't say what that ship was doing, but yeah, the guy, the guy launched, right. I don't think it would be a big stretch that there would be another ship. Um, I mean, it would be a kind of a stretch that another ship had 
similar issues, right? Yeah. <laughs> I guess that would be so like a sequel of like a Pandorum 2 on a different ship would be weird. Or if, I mean, if, even if you had like a, a sequel like set on that planet, again, it, it wouldn't, Pandorum wouldn't really apply. The name wouldn't apply. And no. I don't know. I get why there's not a sequel. I just wish there was. I want, yeah. I want there to be more of this. I mean, do you, do you think that we benefited from actually giving a name to Space Madness? This is a made up name. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's a cool name. So I mean, I yeah. can't. It's it sounds yeah. better than saying space madness. Space madness, right? I mean, like every movie has freaking space madness. Even movies that aren't yes. even in space, like The Abyss, has space madness and it's underwater. Right. There's it's now a cliche that everyone's like, was it Simpsons or no uh, Futurama? They're like every time something's going crazy in space, like just you know do this. Oh, space madness. That was I believe it was Ren and Stimpy. They did that too, but I thought well, uh, dates, talked about space, ma- space madness. Buddy. Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just saying though, like that's the one that we called more recently. <laughs> right. Um, but what about low points for you? Uh, if there are any the low points in this movie, I don't know if there are. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. I mean, because everybody does like a good job in this movie. Yeah. Um, can't think. I'm trying to think of. It's no, hard. Yeah, no, it? I can't think of a a low point. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I mean, I honestly, yeah, I honestly can't think of one. It's just a great movie. Yeah, and like I said, everything came out of nowhere. That what hinted at. Oh wait, no, I got one. There was a what? spider. <laughs> There was a spider. I didn't, I didn't like that spider very much. Which would have been spiders? If that was a spider part of the ark. <laughs> would you have put spiders in the ark? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, but I understand why they're there. Uh, I would honestly say the low point. Oh yeah, I'm just eating, thinking about eating it. Eating the grasshoppers. Oh, yeah. that's that's a low point too. That's gross. Do you find it odd? that they would bring species to a different planet. Cause it seems like they would have to also be adapting the species to survive on this planet uh, as well. Well, again, you also have to realize that, um, I mean, humans have a certain life cycle, right? That they have to follow. Yeah. Now, if they get to that planet and that planet doesn't have the ecosystem to keep us going, to yeah. keep us sustainable, we would have to make sure that we have our own ecosystem to bring with. You know what I mean? What if the ecosystem that's on that planet is poisonous to us or something? Right. So, I mean, but that's just, I think they'd have to genetically alter the creatures too. I mean, it's I'm not sure. it's not going to be a one for one. No, but I'm sure. But having all of that stuff at your fingertips is yeah. going to help you build a sustainable life. So if you right. you, know, you might have to hybrid the two or something, but like yeah, I mean, there's no way. We'd have to destroy the ecosystem to put our own there. There's, it's not pure terraform, right? Right. But I mean, I think this is the was this the first thing that you can think of where they brought all these things there to do this type of terraforming. Usually, it seems like a man-made process, and you just kind of adapt to what's there versus the receding of the entire planet. Well, normally when they're talking terraforming, they're usually talking like atmosphere process, right? You know, like making the air breathable is the big thing, right? Um. I know. Well, I mean, you could go to like Star Trek with the whole what was it, the Genesis thing. Yeah, 
but but like good movie wise <laughs> i'm not yeah i'm not saying it was good i'm just i'm trying to think of other movies that that used earth um you know genetic stuff to yeah like repopulate the world i i know there's other ones i just can't think of them right now i can't i couldn't think of one I, I, I know i know there's at least one or two out there cuz i remember thinking about it but i can't think of the name yeah okay so Let's finish off with our grain scale here. How many sealed doors out of 10 would you give this? Um, I'll give this movie uh, a 9.5 sealed doors. 9.5, your highest one on this episode. Yes. Better than Event Horizon. Yes. Ooh, that's a tough call. <laughs> well, in, in my mind, call. it is better. Because yeah. because it doesn't have um, the cheesy acting, it doesn't have the cheesy effects. <laughs> I mean, again, Event Horizon is a great movie. Don't get me wrong. I mean, eight point five, great, fantastic movie. It just it has some some low points that you you know that you see and and can focus on. So whereas Pandorum, yeah. it really is just a solid experience all the way through. I'm gonna go with you. I'll I'll, I'll go with you with your nine point five. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not quite perfect, but it's damn close. Yeah, and kind of just one last talking point I want to get your thoughts on. Mm -hmm. I know your favorite type of scenarios or mysteries or thrillers with the people waking up with not knowing things. Do you feel this hits that for you? Um, A little bit. I mean, there's enough of that mystery there. Um, And you kind of get that to where, like, obviously, like, you know, the lieutenant and, and Bauer, when they wake up, they don't remember everything that's going on. Um, right. You know, they don't remember about you know, their their wives or their families. You know, they don't remember anything about them. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, also like the first guy that he meets is like he doesn't really want to know him. He just runs away. Um, yeah. The first woman he meets doesn't really want to know anything about him, just runs away. The third guy he meets doesn't speak English. I mean, so there's a lot of like um, unknowns. Like, you know, yeah. it's like the people that can communicate with you don't want to. And the people that want to communicate with you, you can't understand. So there's a lot yeah. of that fish out of water thing. So, yeah, I mean, it definitely does hit that same vibe of like people being together and not knowing why um, it might be a little bit different as they're not just, you know, like, you know, gathered together for some unknown reason. I mean, it's just that they literally can't, you know, connect. Right. I just I just wanted to get your take on it because I know that's your one of your favorite setups. Mm-hmm. I feel like of all four of these movies that that Pandorum hit that better. I mean, obviously you get the the you know, spatial awareness and, you know, slight amnesia in a couple of things, people emerging from hypersleep necessarily. Mm. But this is, I think the one that's gone into it the most people aren't just like, Oh, here's your coffee and you're back to normal. Right. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> but they were asleep for a lot longer than most other things that we see. I mean, we were discussing this before we record that maybe, you know, Ripley second of being in, you know, asleep for an extended period of time. 57 years. Yeah. But generally, it's not this long. Especially not nearly a thousand years. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, so, video games do quite often, but not movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I feel what, what is, close to protocols would do that, too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Perfect. Uh, anything else you want to add? Uh nope. I mean there are yeah there are there are other movies that would technically fit this vibe, but we're trying to limit it. Um, yeah, to four we, for we have, time. But. Yeah, well, except this is probably something we're going to touch 
point on, especially the other movies that do exist that are like this too. Um, other ones might, you know, we'll see in other lists, like we, you know, we discussed Ghosts of Mars, you know, scary space movies, but that's going to fall into the John Carpenter other horror right. movies, right. I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, Life, I would like to touch base at some point on just because it's like that. And Life Force, I haven't watched that in forever. <laughs> yeah, Life Force, <laughs> yeah, Life Force, I might, I probably have only seen like one time, and I thought yeah. that was enough. But well, I mean, I'll watch I'm it saying, again, we, I guess. We can we can definitely we do a little bit more research to another scary space movie. <laughs> yeah, realistically we'll speaking, there. that's the, we'll get there. yeah. Okay, well then, until then, stay tuned for next week's episode. We'll be discussing uh some of the David Cronenberg horror movies that were classified as horror. Like I said, that's another thing that we'll touch base on in future episodes besides next week's. But we're going to be focusing on the horror aspects or the horror, what we consider the horror essentials of Cronenberg. Right. So, uh, yes. So yeah, it'll be what, it'll be like the fly scanners, video drone, the brood. And the brood. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's what we're shooting for. Mm-hmm. So, uh, until next time, this is graveyard saying, have you checked on the children? Uh, and this is Salem saying long live the new flesh. Good night. Good night.